one of those people that has trouble just getting up off your ass and going out sometimes. You know, you know what I mean. Like it's a Thursday night, it's a Friday night. Uh, you got an invitation to go to the bar with some friends, or maybe you got one of those invitations on Facebook to go out to some sort of networking event or a screening event, and you just kicking your heels. It's like I don't know if I want to do this or not. What is this going to do for me? Why, why, why go out? I'll just stay here and binge on some shitty show on television, right? Um, but I'm going to say this. Do not underestimate the power of just getting your ass out of the house, right? If you're not feeling inspired, if you need motivation, go out. Even if you just go out by yourself and sit at the bar and look at people and, and hang out. I'm telling you, it does really great things and it always surprises me. And especially out here in Los Angeles, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to hang out with. Uh, and I'm not just talking celebrities. I'm just talking interesting people in general. Um, and that's how this show, that's how today's episode uh, came about. And it wasn't even me that did it. Uh, this time around, Gina went out. She went out the other night on her own and went to a comedy festival um, and met up with some friends. And there, uh, she saw some amazing work, amazing short films, uh, and she met today's guest and absolutely fell in love with his work and actually brought it home immediately to me. That night was like, we need to watch this stuff right now. Uh, and the both of us were laughing our asses off the entire time. Um, really excited to have him on the show. And the only way to describe his work, the best way to describe his work, is really dry, dark, and disturbing. <laughs> he does these amazing uh, comedy shorts that have almost this horror tone to them. And, and this is what's so inspiring about today's guest. He has the ability to tell a perfect, perfectly timed story in 60 seconds. And not only give you a good story, but also give you amazing character development. And Jesus Christ, I love his tone. I love his tone. Um, and Gina and I were obsessed, or are obsessed with his work. We actually went through everything that he has posted on his YouTube page. We went through everything that he's posted on his Instagram. We just keep hunting and hunting for more and more stuff. And every time I find something, we're laughing even more. And it's so surprising because he doesn't have high numbers on any of his uh, Instagram accounts or social media accounts, but his stuff is so fucking good. So I'm really excited to be talking about him on the show. I'm really excited to introduce you guys to him because I don't know if you feel this way about certain people, but you meet somebody or you see someone's work and you know they're on the verge. You know they're on the edge of becoming big. And this guy's right there. I, I mean, I would not be surprised if he had like an Adult Swim uh, sketch show soon, or I don't know, something on Comedy Central. Like these guys are really funny. He's great, he acts, he directs, he's a cinematographer, um, and his cast, his regulars, all the actors that he works with all the time are fantastic. I'm really excited to have him on the show, Mr. Rick Darge. Um, and uh, you can find him on Instagram. So I'll give you the information, I'll post it below. Um, but he also has a uh, YouTube channel called Spooky Bonus. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff. I'm going to link everything below. Uh, and I'm excited to have him on the show because this dude pumps out so much material. So many pieces. I don't know how he does it. 
I'm curious. I'm curious how he stays motivated. I, I don't know who shoots the stuff. I don't know if he shoots the stuff. I'm very excited about that. And he's been around for a while. I mean, he's, he's very similar to me where, you know, you may look at his stuff and go, oh, wow, this guy's out of nowhere. He's a first time director. He's he, where'd this dude come from? He's, he's probably been at this for at least 10, 15 years. So uh, we'll ask him. We'll get into those details. And dude, there's something really nice about creatives that are just cooking things up in their own little spaces, hanging out in their own places, and making amazing material. Um, and so that's what the show in today's episode is all about. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. I hope you guys have enjoyed season two as much as I've enjoyed recording it for you. Uh, I promised that the shows would get cooler and bigger and the guests would get more interesting and better. And being out here in Los Angeles, it hasn't disappointed. I've had access to some really great folks and there are some really cool episodes on the way. Very excited of the stuff that we're working on right now. Um, And as always, thank you for following on Instagram, me at Mike Petchy on Instagram or the podcast on Instagram that's in love with the process pod in love with the process pod on instagram uh there you can leave me suggestions for guests you can comment on episodes you can steal any of my graphics that i have to repost them because you should be bragging that you find people like rick on my show like cool right really fucking cool um and uh if you haven't noticed at my personal page, at Mike Petchy, I have been giving followers access to my new short film, my new proof of concept called Who's There. Uh, this is a film we shot over a year ago. Uh, we've been pitching it. It's in development right now. And um, I've been only releasing it to, to fans and followers of this show. Um, and the only way to see it is you got to drop me a note on Instagram. Leave me your three favorite horror movies and if i agree with you you might get a link that simple not dumping it online uh so yeah and um yeah i don't want to let's not gab because i think this is going to be a great show rick's headed on his way over now so he should be here soon um so you know the deal uh grab those noise canceling headphones find yourself a comfortable place to hang out right now it's really nice here in los angeles uh, we're in November and we're kicking at like maybe 75 degrees. So it's very chill. And I know a lot of you listening are on the East Coast. The East Coast is still cool. Maybe damp and dreary and fucking shitty out. Uh, but this is the time of year. November, October is the time of year to bring people around. Bring people over. You know, make a meal. The sun goes down so much sooner now. So you know what? Maybe fuck your noise-canceling headphones. Why don't we all listen to this together? And here's what I would do. Grab your laptop. uh, So that way you can start to look at some of Rick's stuff while we talk about it on the show. Uh, Maybe you guys are doing like, uh, you guys got Instapots. Maybe you guys are doing like a slow roast or something. Or like a beef stew. Beef stew would be good right now. Right? So grab your Instapot. (laughs) Uh, Sit back. Relax. And enjoy the brand new episode of In Love with the Process.
Hey, Rick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> we've, yeah. been, we've been talking <laughs> we've our asses it. off before yeah. the show. Yeah, we've been, I've been in here for about 12 hours now, just uh, <laughs> moving in. Got a tent in your living room. No, lovely house, by the way. This is really nice. It's very cozy. Well, we don't own it. We're renting it, so nice. we're not going to take full credit. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Hey, just you can own it uh, in the spirit or whatever that means. I don't know. <laughs> like, once a, like once a month, I run you know, like, a check. <laughs> fake it till you make it. The confidence or whatever books I'm reading this week. <laughs> <laughs> So um, uh, I I said in the intro, and I'll say it again. I um I found your work because of Gina. Oh yeah, because Gina went to uh, that that uh, festival. Aloha thing. from hell. Okay. Yeah. Um, Brooke Wise, uh, curator, sister of Chloe Wise, puts it on. I guess this is this is her third year, but apparently this was the most legit one because they were in an actual movie theater. My favorite theater, the Vista. Oh, the Vista is awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, yeah, and then she came home and she was like, and it was late that you got home, Gina. And she was like, you got to wake up and you got to watch the <laughs> shit. And so we literally went through most of your material. Oh, great. And uh, <laughs> I was laughing my fucking ass off. Oh, thanks. The whole time, dude. It's fantastic. And I think the thing that you do really well, especially with your shorts, because you have a plethora of fucking like one minute shorts that are fantastic. Yeah. But not only do you set up character really quickly, um, but your tone is fantastic. Mm, yeah. You've got like this dark, this really, really great dark sense of humor. Yeah, I got to give hats off right away to, I um, recently have been, well, not recently, past two years been working with a writing partner and a co-director, buddy of mine, his name's John Wesselcouch. He went to Emerson College, he's been living out here in LA, and uh, we came together about two years ago with a focus on the one minute platform, and we call these videos, which I'm sure you've seen, the ones that we showed at Aloha are called uh, Spooky Bonus. I saw that, yeah. And those are the, that's the name of our duo. And uh, yeah, they all have a sense of darkness and comedy infused with them. We call them absurdist realism because they're just zany, weird, absurd ideas, but told in a very cinematic way. Um, well, to add to that, I actually bumped into him at Trader Joe's the other day. John? <laughs> yeah. He's a new dad. I saw. I He's, saw he had his kid with him. Did you yeah. say hi? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, because Gina got all creepy because you saw him there. I'm just going to throw John. you under the bus. Gina was like, <laughs> that's him. We made really weird eye contact. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, John's great. I've, I've had a couple of collaborators in my day. I'm generally, um, I'm, you know, a bit of a, I am a control freak. Uh, I have an ego problem, like when it comes to making things where, you know, I just want it to kind of come through me and it's, I've only worked with a couple of people and I got to say, John is, uh, we're on the same page. I mean, we fight, we fight on set and we fight over ideas, but we finally have dialed it into a, a level where it's just like, it's, if we're arguing, it's, it's all for the sake of the work. It's for the sake of making it better. You guys have a chemistry. You yeah, we do. do. We definitely have like a thing. Uh, you know, John will come to me with like a super dark idea. And I'm like, what? No, like you got to <laughs> add this to it. And then we make, and that's where Spooky Bonus comes from. And we kind of, because I've always been a goofball prankster, uh -huh. you know, was the kid in middle school and high school that would get kicked out of class because I was always cracking jokes. And that's yeah. always been in me. But it's funny because comedy is something I feel like I've recently, um, kind of accepted about myself i always wanted to be a serious filmmaker and then mm -hmm. the past four or five years i'm like what this is this comes really naturally to me and it's just who i am and it's always been there i don't know what it's weird you know i'm sure you know like as sure, you're dude. getting 
you're when you're young, you think you have an idea of who you are, who your voice is, who your heroes are, and then you're like, well, where's my voice? What's the thing that makes me tick? That's a hard thing to figure out. You know? It is, and you're still figuring it out. Like exactly. it's never a. It's I think that's the whole journey of being a human. We're just here to kind of you know, figure out who we are and our place in the cosmos. Whoa, the cosmos. The cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I. It, it's weird how. I, I was the same way. So when I first started, it's like, what's my voice? And then when you first start making stuff, you're just recreating stuff that you like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you see like a Fincher thing and you're like, I want to fucking make that. Yes, totally. You know what I mean? And so then you spend that time and you're like trying to make it. And I said this on another episode where um, you can't make it because you're not Fincher. Yeah. And you don't have the resources that no. he has. And so then you're halfway through and you're like, well, fuck. All right. So remember that thing I did when I was, yeah, take that. And then you start putting those pieces together. And then the next thing you know, you're developing a style based upon yeah. your experiences and how you're processing the bullshit that comes at us when you're yeah. directing. Cause it's never an easy wow. experience when you're making anything. I think you find your voice in those moments of uh, adapting to mm -hmm. your environment or adapting to, you know, your actor drops out and you have to figure out a new way or, you know, I love that story about Jaws when the, you know, the shark wasn't working. And so instead of giving up and going home, Spielberg used the camera as the shark and it's so inventive and amazing. And, uh, you know, that could have, that's the magic of movie making. And that's why I think we're, it's something we'll always have a love for, uh, yeah, because it's those moments of, um, letting go and allowing uh, life to kind of show you the way. Those are the, the magic moments of making something because you can never plan those things, you know. Uh -huh. And then, of course, you take all the credit for it uh -huh. at a film festival. You're like, Absolutely. <laughs> it was intentional. Uh -huh. I'm really honest, though. When people ask me, I'm like, no, we didn't know. And that just happened. And, you know, it's yeah. Just, yeah. I say it on the show all the time uh, that I don't believe that filmmakers are born geniuses. They yeah. just know how to take credit for things. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, he came out of his mother and he had this fucking yeah, vision. Yeah. Like Kubrick came out and he was like no. 2001. No, Kubrick was like, I just watched a clip of Kubrick uh, yesterday. Someone posted it. It was uh, him in the making of The Shining. It was just a clip where he discovers that really amazing angle where he's filming Jack Nicholson from the from bottom. Yeah, yeah, and you just see Kubrick like figure it out. And there's no, he's just, you know, we're just out there making it work with what we have, no matter what level you're at. Now you mentioned that you're a cin I started as a cinematographer too. Mm. So yeah, and in that game, it's it, I feel like a lot of that comes from for me at least cinematography when you're walking in a room, especially when you're young. Yeah, and you come in and there's like dog shit production design. Yeah, you just got like white walls everywhere. And yeah, like but I rented that camera. Make it look fucking awesome. Right, like there's nothing to film here. <laughs> yeah, um, and in that like especially that moment with Kubrick. I really feel that way too, where it's just like, let's just change the fucking angle, let's make it dynamic, and let's just bring in that single source, because it was just essentially a single source on yeah. Jack. Yeah, exactly. For that. And it totally sold the psychology of what Jack was going through. Exactly, dude. There's a quote, I don't know who said it, but I have it uh, printed out on one of my computer monitors, and it's, there are no bad ideas, there's just interesting and not interesting. Huh. And I feel like that is the case with a lot of things. What is the most interesting story you can tell what's the most interesting angle you know what what kind of gets you off in a way you know um when you're making something because if you're responding to it your audience is probably mm -hmm. going to respond to it as well mm -hmm. but yeah i yeah i uh, came from the world of um cinematography i'm 
you know, you always think your story is unique in the sense that, yeah, I discovered filmmaking at a young age. My grandpa gave me a video camera, and everyone has that story. story. But that's my story. It's boring. Uh, no, I, I uh, filmmaking. My mom is a photographer, amazing photographer, primarily black and white uh, nice. photography. Uh, my dad kind of dabbles in the product. He has a production company. He's more like event kind of videography. Um, so art was kind of always around, you know, bursting out of the seams. Um, I remember at a very early age, though, nine or ten, I was obsessed with like getting uh, video maker magazines at uh, the supermarket. I would hmm. get my mom or grandma to buy them for me. And I would go in the back and look at all the cameras and just dream about one day owning my own camera because I, oh, I knew wow. I wanted to make my own stuff to the point my mom like got mad at me one time and she's like you're obsessed with these cameras and I'm like you I blame you you're the one that has all these vintage cameras everywhere I turn but uh, no my parents have always been very supportive uh, but it kind of filmmaking came to me uh, we I'm from New Jersey originally uh -huh. I moved to when I was 10 we moved to Northern California but my grandparents lived in uh, Florida so every summer, my sister and I, we would go to Florida to visit them for two months at a time. And out of boredom, because you can only swim in the pool so many times, we just started <laughs> picking up the camera and I started like screaming at my sister and cousins to do what I wanted. And I liked it. It was fun. And uh, those shorts are really silly and funny. But um, yeah, cinematography was always in me. I was always shooting my own stuff and I've always loved photography and I've loved... Um, just composition and lighting and color. And um, I always wanted to be a director ever since I was a kid. Uh, I went to film school in LA. And when I graduated, I just, I didn't go after the directing thing right away. And partly because I just, I had no financial help. I had to make money. I had to start paying for these loans. I had to survive in LA. And I'm like, what am I good at? I'm really good at editing. So I was able to get jobs very quickly doing With that. The editing, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then after three, four years of doing that, I was tired of it. Um, just tired of listening to producers that didn't know what the hell they were doing. <laughs> I was a really bad editor. I worked uh, a little bit of network TV and just was bad. <laughs> I mean, I look back, I'm like, wow, I don't know why you guys kept me. I had such a mouth. And uh, yeah, and there was an opportunity. This little camera company, uh, Red, mm -hmm. started you know, by the Oakley guys, they... Uh, announced a camera and they were taking like thousand dollar deposits and i put a thousand bucks down which was a lot of money for me at the time and i had no idea how i was gonna afford a thirty thousand dollar camera and uh i just knew i needed to there was something like i knew i needed to get that thing that piece of tech that would make my hmm. job easier and i was able to get this high paying editing job saved up enough money quit the editing job, got the camera, and the camera did allow doors to open as a cinematographer. I was able to get on set because there was a point when I was editing and I was underneath it all where I was like, I, I feel like I'm going to, I have to get out of here. I have to be risky and jump. So yeah. cinematography was able to branch me out into creating my own work and writing and directing and producing and doing that. But yeah, it's been a, kind of a stepping stone of going from here to here to here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm back to where I always wanted to be in a weird way. That's cool, but, man. Yeah, I still enjoy shooting. I uh, I shoot my own stuff. Um, the stuff I do with John for Spooky Bonus, we will shoot together. 
he has a great eye, so we'll often kind of share responsibilities when it I was comes to ask you about that, self-producing. Yeah. But then we work with some great DPs. We have a, a young DP by the name of Scott Siracusano who's up and coming and just got an amazing eye. And he's collaborated with me a lot and done some of our spookies. And and uh, so, yeah, I do like working and collaborating with different people because you just get all these unique perspectives. But yeah. I still know how to get in there and hold a boom pole and... Yeah. You know, go down to Trader Joe's and get some delicious crafty for everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's important. And pose as my own manager when I need to get someone's attention. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. But. It's important, man. Like the years and years spent uh, doing crew positions and, and spending time. And <clears throat> I spent time hanging out with sound guys on set for yeah. years. And it, it just, it's fuel for when you are a director. Yeah, totally. And you do show up and... I've been on those gigs, like I've done union commercials. I've been on those gigs where you've got like 30, 40 people on the crew. Yeah. And I know specifically when I ask someone to do something, how much time that takes because yeah. I've had to fucking do it. You know, yeah. I think it's you important. Know? I think everyone that's aspiring to direct should do every job and uh, understand kind of, including acting as well. So you understand how to talk to people mm-hmm. and know what they need, know what their wants are because everyone... I'm, you know, I'm sure you know, like managing a film set is often like taking all the kids to the lake for <laughs> summertime fun because it's a lot of personality management. It's a lot of making sure that the energy is correct because yes. all it takes is one toxic person yes. to pollute the well and you got to kill that person. You got to take them out and put them down and uh, well, not put them down, but fire them. <laughs> but, yeah. Just murder them accidentally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had to fire a few people few people on some productions just because yeah there's just that negativity and i i hate that it's okay to be like uh anxious and stressed but don't don't toxify it yeah you know yeah there's nothing worse like back when i was doing the cinematography stuff there's nothing worse than like that grip that shows up and he's like yeah what time are we gonna get out of here today and it's like yeah i love grips but you know why is it always the grip yeah, you know? always, always. So i'm just saying i love grips because i don't want them to come track me down and kill me because they're all ex-cons <laughs> let's face it okay they just got out of jail <laughs> Trying to make something of themselves, they're probably drunk. No, I love grips, they're good guys, yeah. I, yeah, but it is you need a grip usually, to run the show. It is usually someone yeah. on the lighting department, and it's probably because they're fucking doing the heavy lifting, yeah. Like, they are, they're them. pissed. Yeah, everyone's got a different personality, and I feel like they're all cliches, and everyone matches that. Like, yeah. sound guys are either like extremely nice to where they're going to kill you, uh, or they're the most raged out, you know, angry people. I don't know, there's no in between. Uh, at least in my experience, maybe I'm working with some weird sound guys, but um, no, it's true. I yeah, mean, it's, everyone's like fits their camera department is generally very dirty and vulgar, uh, yeah. but they're like they whisper it, you know. And I don't know. And then you've got like your wardrobe and your makeup teams. Yeah, and they're like very catty, and yeah. they're always the best dressed. Like whenever I, oh yeah, they're the best. You know who? Yeah. You know who it is. You know who they are. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. like a really like our makeup artist that we used back in Boston Bree, she would always show up and she'd have like like moon boots on and like a fucking yeah. dragging her little bag yeah, with yeah. bling all over it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's and like you're either a stripper or you're working for a <laughs> makeup department. I mean, we do it too as directors. Look, we both have beards, you know. We, you probably own a Patagonia or a North Face. I know I've got several. <laughs> I do. And then you got to get those, which I haven't done yet because I got great vision, uh-huh. but you got to uh, get those clear... Scorsese style glasses. Everyone's got that. That's why I know someone's a director. They're wearing those glasses. I'm like, oh, cool. You transitioned. You're full form now. I, I give anybody that knows me before then full, full, full permission to kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> full permission. Just punch the glasses off my fucking yeah, yeah. face. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, no, it's totally true. It's funny. Um, when we were driving, because we saw a couple sets when we first came here to Los Angeles. And I think the difference, the stark difference between L.A. and the East Coast is that every crew member is pretty well dressed on a set here, out here. Out here? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. You know, yeah. you're out in L.A. and it's like filthy. Like yeah. everybody's just grungy, filthy, yeah. dirty. You mean out back east? Uh, back back yeah, east, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the east. Yeah, it's, just, it's different, you know. Um, L.A., yeah. Everyone, I'm sure you could ask anyone on that crew and they would do an acting job if they had to <laughs> everyone's here to be seen um myself included you know like i'm not gonna act like i'm better than that's why we're here <laughs> you know it's a little maddening i was telling a friend the other day like this is the business we work in but when i hear production talk if i'm like at a restaurant i mm-hmm. get like i get angry mm-hmm. and i'm like do i hate myself is that what this is i mean when someone's talking about a deal that's being made i'm like can you i'm just trying to enjoy my production talk with my friend <laughs> yeah yeah i like just i just got my haircut this morning and i'm sitting there with the because finding a right barber is a big thing yeah you know it's like good trying to find another girlfriend yeah and so i like randomly picked this spot and i went in you know and you're just like courting yeah. this guy and it's like cool you yeah know? i don't want you to touch my beard you know it's like that kind of thing and uh he's sitting there he's like what do you do and i, I hate answering that question yeah, me too here. i yeah. hate it i'm just like there, there, there are two things that there are plenty about here: homeless and fucking directors. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like, and you got to get homeless directors. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and I look like a homeless director most of the time. So do I. <laughs> so, so I was like, I direct, but I also barbecue, and yeah. I like talking about cooking and food, yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff. And that's what most people. That's what I talk with most people about out here: barbecuing, barbecue. That's food awesome. And all that kind of stuff. I just recently got a uh, gas grill for the backyard, and it's been changing my life. Got a gas grill, huh? Yeah, it's nice. I just, uh, yeah, flame broiled meats. It's like uh, no longer in a pan, it's stinking up my kitchen. <laughs> you have to come over, man, because I have a smoker out there. Oh wow! And um, I've got a charcoal grill. Luckily, because I was worried, because I was coming from East Coast, and East Coast we had a big backyard. I had like, yeah. a bunch of charcoal grills, and then we came out here, and I'm like hunted one of the reasons why we picked this place is because we got a great kitchen and mm. i have that grill place out back yeah. and so within the first week i'm like all right cool bought a new charcoal grill and then i went oh fuck the fires yeah i was like fuck am i allowed to have a charcoal oh grill? oh yeah they have like an inspector that comes over <laughs> yeah and i was like what the fuck <laughs> and so then i like i was doing the research online and there was a bunch of like no 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 and i'm like no oh, fuck and then it was because we have a standalone house, yeah. I'm allowed to. Oh, really? Like literally that place next door, not allowed to. Huh. That's interesting. Gas or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Because the, like, the embers or? Yeah, the embers. That's and weird. The, the, you know, people not knowing how to handle charcoal. Huh. That's interesting. I get it. I mean, fucking California's on fire. Yeah, so. it's bad. Every year, I feel like for the past five or six years, we've been getting the same kind of bad fires that have been happening. I was raised in Napa Valley, Northern California, and it's it was bad up there. I mean, all of Vallejo was just engulfed, but I think it's calmed down now. You know, it's insane. Yeah, and you don't really think about it that much, especially being from the East Coast, where you're like, yeah, what's there's a fire, so put the fire out. But yeah, no, I mean, there's so much like dry brush. What's weird is we had such a wet, you know, year this year. It was so rainy at the beginning of the year. You would think that. Um, that wouldn't cause so much overgrowth. It's and, the air out here, dude. Yeah. Like I light the grill. So yeah. I light the charcoal as like, right up. Yeah. Like right it's up. Dry. Dry. Yeah. It's crazy. And the grills like burn hotter and shit. Like I had to adjust my stuff. Hmm. That's interesting. It was wild, man. Yeah. Look at that stuff talking about fucking I know, food, barbecue and food. Yeah. And One good thing about the barbecue though, in 
Southern California is you can do it all year round. You I know. know. Yeah. You don't have to know. worry about that snow. I know. Especially yeah. like, it's like, what am I going to barbecue for Christmas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Dude. It's very weird. Yeah. I have a theory that the lack of seasons in LA permanently keeps you at whatever age you are when you moved here because time doesn't pass. And then you wake up and you're like, I've been here for 20 years. Oh, I got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing that's strange and we're, I like these little tangents. The other thing that uh, is weird is that East coast, I got a lot more done during the day. Yeah. Like I would literally get like, I'd have a to do list of probably like 30 things and yeah. probably get about halfway through it. Mm, nice. Like, All right, cool. But like last week I'm sitting here going like, Shit, and of course the sun goes down sooner now. Oh, it's like 2 p.m. The sun's gone. Yeah, it's like crazy. But I was just like, fuck, I'm going to eat dinner. I got two things done today. Yeah. And I'm like, why? And it's not because I'm on the beach or anything. And right. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I did the math, and I'm like, I was in the car for three and a half hours today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Completely. That's huge. No, it takes up so much of your time. You get into podcasts. I'm sure you're listening to this in the car right now. Because <laughs> yeah. you don't want to deal with the abyss that you're staring at okay. called traffic. While you're while you're doing in that traffic, though, make sure you consistently look on your right-hand side because someone's going to fucking clip you. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful. Oh, yeah, my yeah, God, dude. Yeah. yeah. I used to use my horn when I first moved here, and now I don't. I just... I'll use my horn if someone's about to hit me to warn them, but I don't use it in terms of like an act of aggression because this traffic has beaten me down so hard that I have no soul anymore. And it's like, you want to cut me off? You want to do what? Whatever. We're all going in the same place. Right. Well, I'll meet you in five. I'll meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you in that dirt grave, brother. I was in traffic the other day and this guy like floored up behind me, honked and was flailing his arms. And I'm like, we're about 20 seconds later, we're in traffic again. Stand still. Like, where are you going? What's going on with you? I've always just wanted to get out of the car and just walk over and be like, hey. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, you want to hang out? I have a license plate, a vanity plate, because if you live in LA, you have to get a vanity plate. And it says LOL on the back. Because my feeling was like, if I ever cut anyone off, they can just look at my plate and be like, oh, he's pretty cool. He LOL'd me. If that was East Coast, they'd come and like beat the shit out of you. Yeah, exactly. California, you're fine. I saw a guy had a vanity plate the other day. It was awesome. What was it? It was uh, past gas. Yeah, I was like, how did you get that through? Because they're weird about it. You can't be dirty on the plates. you got to be careful. Oh, really? Yeah, you, there's like a weird fine line. There's someone there approving all the vanity plates out there. But I thought past gas was great. Because maybe he's talking about you know the fumes from a car. Mm-hmm. But my mind went to the eight-year-old inside of me. Course <laughs> yeah. Of course. I mean, course. come on. He's an older guy, too. I bet he was like a doctor or something. I don't know. Gast- he's driving a nice... What is it? Gastrologist? Gastrologist. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. Like, maybe he's doing that. He's, a, he's just advertising for the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's get back. Let's get back to oh, your yeah. work. Yeah. Um, so you put out a lot of content, right? Yeah. It, it's like a weird uh, obsession. Um yeah, there was a period where I wasn't. Uh, I graduated. I went to USC Film out here. Uh, graduated. Was making little weird shorts before YouTube was even a thing for about a year, and then in the rest of my twenties, I was just working. wasn't making my own stuff. And then it wasn't until I was about to turn thirty. Um, I was like, I have to make a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to get that under my belt, and I did. Uh, completed the feature, and we can talk about that in a bit. Having some issues right now with this lovely company called distributor may they rest in hell permanently uh, i'm writing a horror film about me killing executives that work for distributor no I'm not. um we could talk about that i know you had uh alex ferrari 
mm-hmm. on here. Yeah, he's been. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> this company went out of business, and they uh, they were spending every dollar that they were earning from filmmakers, and they owe us like close to thirty thousand, and it's gone. We're never going to see it. And our film is in this weird limbo. It's on the platforms, but we're told to take it off. It's a mess. But I'm glad I made it. Uh, it's an amazing film. It's called Zen Dog. You can watch it right now on Hulu and iTunes and everything else until it gets taken down. We don't know where we're at. Um, it's a fucking nightmare, dude. It was. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. It's a big kick in the teeth. But, you know, that's uh, what happens when you decide to become a filmmaker. It's so fascinating how we have to have that mentality where it's just like, this sucks, but moving on. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, yeah, it's like one of those things, what are you going to do? You know, you can let it make you bitter and close you up and just give the finger to everything. The problem is, I this is the only thing that brings me joy and this is the only <laughs> thing I know, so I don't even know what to do. Um, but yeah, that sparked this kind of um, just, desire to be creative and make things um the movie took quite a while in post we were able to raise money it was like a hundred and thirty thousand dollar budget uh we raised money through private equity we did a kickstarter initially uh to kind of launch it and um it was successful in that regard to where you know we were able to it's a it's a road trip film uh we film it going cross-country we go from la to san francisco to new york cool and uh kind of in the vein of easy rider and Kind of just an amazing, it was such an, a magical, amazing film to be a part of. And I learned so many things while making that. But while we were in post, I was uh, needing to fill my time and creatively. And Instagram just uh, launched their video feature. They were, you were, no longer were just, you could post a photo, you can now do 15 second videos. And my feature was such a collaborative effort where you're, listening to your actor and your dp and you're getting everyone's ideas across i wanted to regress and do a project that was um just me Mm -hmm. uh so my idea was i'm going to shoot this on my green screen in my studio i'm going to do the cinematography the editing the sound and uh, i'm going to play all the parts so i'd play an old grandma i would play (laughs) a young mom i would play like a little kid and Prior to that point, I never acted. I've always shied away from acting. Uh, I never wanted to be an actor. We had to do an acting class at USC, and I hated it, even though my teachers were like, you should do this, you're good at it. And I said, no, I don't want to do it. I'm a serious <laughs> filmmaker, okay? But out of necessity, part of this project, it started off as an experiment. Uh, I, was, I did two videos. I put them on Instagram, and immediately there was a visceral reaction from people that followed me, like, continue, this is funny. So I continued and I had about 50 of these videos in the can and uh, I noticed my follow count went up and my likes were going up and was liked and I had a curator named Michael McCarthy who does a short film night you should go to, uh, happens once a month in Echo Park at the Club Bahia and uh, he, I played some earlier work from, I did years ago with him that I collaborated with with a friend but he saw these short videos and he goes, you should string them together and play them for my night. And they were like, I call them disposable videos because they were like trash to me. They were <laughs> trash art. And uh, you can, they're still on Instagram, at, at disposable videos is the name of the account. So I strung them together and I played 
uh, 25 of them or something. They're, you know, in front of an audience. And I've never had a reaction like that before for any of my work. Really? Just like a visceral reaction, like from the crowd, screaming, laughing, people coming up to me, um, random, you know, women uh, approaching me, uh, you know, <laughs> you're like, okay. Uh, I get no uh, love from the lady. I've got an amazing girlfriend um, right now. But like in my earlier years, you know, that was like, it was like power. It was like feeling like a rock star in that moment. And I uh, was like, okay, cool. This is like this comedy thing is uh, resonating. And um, I continued to follow that path and, you know, have ebbs and flows of creativity and stuff where I'm more just kind of hermiting. But um, yeah, I try to put out content often. I, I don't go out with like, I never do well when I sit down and be like, what do we got to make? Let's make something. Like, what is it? Uh, it's usually bad if yeah. it comes. I allow the idea just to kind of hit me like a lightning bolt, and it's it's usually comes from real life. It comes from some frustration or something negative, and then through that negativity, you turn it into a positive by you know shining light onto the darkness, and then through that, it becomes fun. So a lot of things will <laughs> just kind of come from reality and uh and then just kind of transmuting that into a, a, a video or something of that nature so where did the jar full of toenails come from oh yeah the toenails um <laughs> so with spooky bonus the way that we usually work john and i will be hanging out and uh something will happen and then we'll both start spinning an idea that's usually how it generally happens sometimes john will come to me with an idea and then i'll spin it or i'll come to him with an idea and then he'll spin it that particular idea, which is called Thanks Man, which you can see at the at Spooky Bonus account on Instagram, um, came from John. He had this weird idea of growing something. I don't think it was a dog at first. I just gave it away. I gave it away the minute. But that was that's my dog. Uh, her name's Maya. Oh and she God, was a puppy dude. at the time. And we kind of cheat this shot to make it look like, okay, so the video is basically two guys are hanging out and one guy... Uh, picks uh you know one of his thumbnails off uh, he bites it off and he puts it in a jar of thumbnails and uh it's really gross and he takes those <laughs> thumbnails and he buries them into a, a hole in the middle of the forest with his buddy and they cover the hole with dirt and then they pee on the hole on the dirt mound and then out of the dirt grows a dog and it's called thanks man because the friend picks up the dog kisses it and goes thanks man <laughs> but but, what, but what, what that description doesn't do is that if you have no idea, because that was like the second one I saw. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have fucking no idea. Yeah. I have no idea who you guys are. Yeah. So I'm watching this thing and I'm like, okay, cool. And it shot cool. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. And then the toenail thing's funny. And I'm like, or the fingernail thing's yeah. funny. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then as soon as you guys start pissing on the hole, I'm like, yeah. oh, God. What's happening? <laughs> what is happening? And then the ground starts moving. And you're like, yeah. what is coming? Literally, fucking Satan could have come out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way you have it set up, <laughs> Satan could have come out of that hole at that point. And the fact that you pull out this, this tiny dog. Yeah, little rat terrier. What, did you just cover him in mud? Like, how yeah, we covered her. We didn't bury her. Uh, so that shot where it looks like it's <laughs> under the ground and it's moving, that's John's hand. And he's wiggling his fingers. Because my family was like, how could you bury your new puppy? What are you, a monster? I'm like, No. We did not do that. We just covered her in mud. And she liked the mud. Like when I was putting mud on her, she was very just kind of wagging her tail and thought it was a game. When I rinsed her off, she was pissed. She wasn't happy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just kind of covered her in mud and then lifted her out. And she was a puppy at that time. She's a little bigger now. 
But um, it's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, it is fucking fantastic. That was such a bitch uh, making those toenails because the toenails and the fingernails that are in this. We have a giant mason jar. I never even thought about this. Filled with nails. And so what we did was we bought like a bunch of those um, plastic zip ties that you use. And we bought like a thicker gauge like that was a little wider. And then it literally took us about six hours. It was John and I with scissors getting blisters on our fingers, cutting each one. Oh, and then we took those and then we soaked them in uh, like a black tea for like an hour to give it a little bit of a oxidation. And then we drained them and then put them back in and we buried them and we never, we didn't dig them out. So we polluted the <laughs> earth. We got a bunch of plastic in the ground. Well, who cares? I mean, we're done. Well, what happened is some random stranger is out for a walk. It'll piss in the ground. A bunch <laughs> yeah. Of dogs then a real out. dog will come out. Exactly. I love the way that one is shot. That was our buddy I was mentioning earlier, Scott Siracusano, who DP'd that. It's beautiful. Yeah, he did like an amazing job in just the the you know the cinematography in that. Did you cut those? I cut everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because your your pacing's fucking. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I um, I don't cut professionally anymore for other people because I just get very angry. But for myself and for our own things, I do it all. So the way that we generally do this uh, is we will do a half day shoot we'll do a day prep like a half day prep the day before mm-hmm. so we'll go out and we'll take photos and kind of do a visual storyboard and then agree on camera angles and um, just all the little nuanced things mainly so me and john can be on the same page so there's no arguing or second guessing because we've learned you know through um, trial and error and then uh, the next day we will do generally a half day shoot so four to six hours then we take the footage, we go to my studio in Los Feliz, and we cut it all in one sitting. And then we finish it, we go to sleep, we watch it the next day, make a little tweak, and then we put it out. I just, I love how economical the edits are, too. Yeah, you, it's just like the minute. I love the minute long format. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's just a great little container to, um, and there are often times where, you know, we will look at something we made and be like, um, we should make this one longer. But then we always go back to, no, this is, has to be a minute. So we lose things. We have to kill our darlings and get rid of moments and shots that we thought were really cool. But it has to serve the story and the edit. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love the challenge of a minute. And I've done so many things that fit that 15-second container or that minute-long container. I'm like, hey, commercial Hollywood, let's go. Let's do this, baby. (laughs) I'm just now slowly getting into the commercial world of things. But yeah, there's something fun about being able to tell a story you know, uh, especially like a narrative comedy in that amount of time. Hell yeah, dude. And there's the the power of editing. Yeah. And for comedies especially. Oh yeah, it's all pacing and Oh dude. I love, yeah. The other one that was fucking great was the LaCroix one. Oh yeah, yeah. And editing specifically for like when it when you're actually yeah. cutting to it yeah so good dude so yeah LaCroix you should your listeners you guys should check all these vids out really they're super short but yeah at spooky bonus or my Instagram is at Rick Darge John's is at Johnny West but anyway yeah they're, they're okay they're all right <laughs> um, that particular video is about a guy who's like obsessed with LaCroix he's drinking too much of it that came from a real place because that summer John and I were just drinking tons of LaCroix and originally John was like I want to do like a LaCroix commercial and the original idea was I drink so much I pee my pants and then I'm embarrassed so I pour more LaCroix over my pants to like soak my pants so you can't tell 
And I was like, no, we got to do something. Like I blast off like in the, in the pee. And then John was like, came up with the idea for the shot where it looks like I'm blasting off, which he took a ladder and he, uh, he like, he built this weird rig where I, it was basically a pull-up bar. So where I pulled myself up and we were using a hose. We're always understaffed. It's always like two or three people and we're trying to make this damn thing work and like cutting corners. But I got to give credit to John. He's very good at um, like being able to create worlds by using the bare minimum, you know, just with like yeah, simple yeah. little camera trickery. And we really get along. And in that way, we like a lot of the same filmmakers that, you know, we both grew up with and, just uh, having fun with that. But yeah, that uh, I love LaCroix. That was a little difficult. I had to drink like 12 <laughs> LaCroix and I felt like I was waterboarding myself at one point. Because as you start chugging LaCroix, it, it bubbles so much and you, you feel like you're drowning. And it was, all, it was like, what am I doing? What oh, dude, I... there's, a, there's a moment where you're just burping and it just... Oh, yeah, that was an ADR burp. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, oh, man, that yeah. just brings me, because I love Always Sunny. And yeah. That brings me to Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, ah, you know, yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Oh, so the burp good. is fun. I like, um, I know in the show, Rick and Morty, he's always like burping through yes. takes, which yeah, is fun. Yeah. 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 I'm, we're a big fan of anything bodily humor, of course. We're, did, you, uh, did you see Lighthouse yet? I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lighthouse. Uh, yeah, it was good. I the, I don't want to give anything away. I want to give... Yeah, but it's, it's worth a, a watch. Of, Go yeah, check yeah. it out. The performances are great. Love the cinematography. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I love The Witch. That was a great film. Yeah. He's a he's a force to be reckoned with, that director. Yeah, so. Eggers. He's so meticulous like with yeah. uh, just making sure everything is so his authentic. His research and his history yeah. research. Is his dialogue is great. Dude. Yeah. No, good. yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a fan, a big fan. I'm and, happy it's in cinemas, man. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was cool. I'm, yes, there were a couple little, yeah, I don't want to give too much. There's a reason why I brought it up in the context of what we were talking about. Yeah. Because of the body stuff. I'm not going to be Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that doesn't give anything away. Right. There's, There's farts. farts. yeah. Yeah, I love it. And the master had farts, too. Paul Thomas Anderson's <laughs> movie. There was a lot of farts in that. Which is a weird, because when you're watching like a, uh, what you think is a classy movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then the farts All happen. the time. I love a good fart. I mean, it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. You know, I don't do it with my girlfriend. We haven't gotten to that level. Really? Because I don't, there's something, yeah. Once you open Pandora's box with me, and I'm talking about me farting, it's, it's over. Because uh, I'm going to keep doing it. But this one here, it's like, that's where Hansel and Growl go to You die. guys fart together? Gina. You guys fart? Nice. <laughs> it's funny. It's terrible. Yeah. Because you smell fucking horrific. Oh, yeah. You smell horrible. Like, uh, you go get, into our room the next morning. It's bad. It, it smells lingers. like someone left, like, heat lamps on a deli yeah. counter. That's that that hot yoga for you. <laughs> loosening everything up, you know? Uh, my old producing partner, we used to live in Glendale, um, kind of close to uh, where we are now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give your address. On the, <laughs> yeah, the specific what, address. Specifically, uh, the coordinates are 59 <laughs> degrees north by 25 Celsius. Um we uh we were a big fan of farts. Uh, I mean, who isn't? Yep. And um, we would wake up in the morning. He would fart, and then I would fart, and then he would fart. And we would communicate in a way. It would be like playing volleyball. My dad doesn't like farts, so I don't really trust my dad. <laughs> because I'm like, what's wrong with you? I remember one time when I was 14, my dad's very New Jersey, like old school, you know, Italian dude. And uh-huh. I, uh, I farted... Uh, in his house my mom and dad split up when i was young and uh but i was visiting him 
And he goes, you do that again, we're going to have a problem. And I was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> I let one go. And he, like, put me in a, he was like a wrestler. And he got me in a headlock. And we were, like, on the ground, like, wrestling and fighting as I'm farting. Like, to just, you know, <laughs> show him that I can do what I want, Dad. You can't tell me when to fart. <laughs> no, I think a well-timed fart in a movie is, like, just key to uh, cutting perfect. tension. It's perfect. Yeah. I, it can be, like, a bit of an Achilles heel. It's, like, can be, like, your go-to sometimes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it depends know, on the gotta, filmmaker. Like, yeah, if, <laughs> if you're the uh, Farley brothers, then yeah, 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 yeah. But Robert Eggers, like in yeah. the series, yeah, it made sense though. Like, you know, you would expect Willem Dafoe's character to be farting, he's like old and cranky, and yeah, yeah, just yeah. like doesn't want to be there. That was it's, a great movie, it was a great dude. It, it's, a, it's an experience. Like, yeah, if is. you love cinema, you should go see it while it's in the theater for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, just beautiful, for the, just for the fucking sound design. Oh yeah, the sound design and just the cinematography. Uh, they shot it on film. And they, it was the four by three format that it was actually almost one to one. That's right. It, it was. was like they were using these special lenses. I think the only the last film that correct me if I'm wrong, internet, but I think the last film that used their aspect ratio was Fritz Lang's M, mm. uh, which is like one point one nine to one. I did a comedy video recently on my personal Instagram, and uh, it's this weird German character named Slugen Flugen. I don't know if you saw it, and I describe I, I describe I all the aspect ratios, all the different types. Did a lot of my humor comes from like this kind of. I love A twenty four, okay, but sometimes I'm just like, is everyone making a four three movie? <laughs> like, what's going on? Everything is super shallow, creamy creams. They have a, they have a very specific. Formula. They have a look, and it's great. You know, it's it's nice. Yeah, you can't knock it. Sure. They know what they're doing. They're one of the best they distribution are. houses right now. They're amazing. Dude. If they weren't around, it would just be Spider Man ten meets Thor. And they're know. get they're getting better because in the beginning, I always felt like the third acts for most of the movies fell apart. Yeah, and and I feel like maybe now they just have a little bit more money or they're smartening up a little bit because now with the past two or three that I saw, I was like, fuck, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Euphoria. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yes. Incredible and then, uh, show. What was um, Good Times was awesome with good them. Time. Um, Uncut Gems is coming out soon. Can't I'd like wait. to see that. Yeah. Yeah, Safties are good. Uh-huh. Uh, they've done all of Ari Aster's stuff, Midsummer and Hereditary. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. What? What? <laughs> you don't like Midsommar? Midsommar? You know, he added 30 more minutes into that cut because, like, just I when I, I believe it. when I left the theater, I'm like, you know what? This movie needed it needed to be longer. <laughs> I wanted more dread. My girlfriend had nightmares for three weeks. She doesn't do horror well, so I trick her into seeing horror. I'm like, no, it's supposed to be like a fun teenage summer movie. <laughs> and then she was just like pale faced, especially coming out of that one. <laughs> I saw a couple like get up and storm out because when they were roasting those bodies on the fire pit to cremate them, they they had enough. And I laughed. I'm like, that was your moment, not the part where they bash the old man's face in with a mallet. Anyway, I hope you guys have seen it. Uh, yeah, his stuff is cool. I, yeah. Um, I, I don't mind. Like, I like Wes Anderson too, and I like Rosemary's Baby, yeah. and I like all these other movies yeah. that did just consistently being referenced. But I guess it's a. I just, I'm 41 now, so now I'm transitioning into old man status. So, you do not look 41. Well, thanks. That's man. impressive. But I'm now old man status, so it's like yeah. front porch, and these fucking kids don't know what yeah. this show's based on. Yeah, and that's kind of what's going on with me these days. Well, where- I think a lot of that's happening. Like a lot of works just keep getting copied, and then they just expect no one to know where it came from. Uh, it's like there's a fucking uh, what were we watching last night? It was uh, 
there's a, some post-apocalyptic bullshit on Netflix right now. The teenagers, it's called like Daybreak or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't and know. It's, it's fucking Ferris Bueller's Day oh, okay. Off. And, and, and they're not even being like quietly clever about it because um, what's his name is the principal from Ferris Bueller there. Uh, oh. Uh, from Election. Um, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. So they're not even. I being, love Election. Yeah, I love Election. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's a fantastic Alexander movie. Payne is great. Fucking fantastic. Fan. Yeah. That's the kind of shit that I'm missing these days. Yeah. It's like cool he just, voices like that. You did know? you hear about he had a film uh, that he was doing for Netflix? And my buddy is a camera assistant and uh, union guy. And they all went out there to shoot it. And the day before they uh, Netflix pulled the plug, something happened with the rights. Because they were doing someone's life rights story. And they Brutal. decided to... I can't imagine. Brutal. Yeah, Netflix is... I don't know. I was telling my... Uh, my I just... Before I came to this podcast, I was in a color session at Photochem and I was talking to my colorist who does a lot of work with Netflix. And yeah, we were just talking like we won't go onto Netflix and just browse for something new. You're told to go see something like this is great. Like I had three friends say Dolomite is fun. So I watched Dolomite. Yes, Dolomite you know? was great. But yeah, I still I have a subscription, but I to me, Netflix subscription is like a gym membership i never use it you know mm-hmm. and i just kind of i have it there but i'm not yeah i don't know it netflix is interesting because they they take a lot of properties that exist and kind of repackage it as their own brand mm-hmm. or they uh, you know it's, was, it's branding specifically with yeah there was like a show i don't know what the name was but it reminded me of like mtv cribs you know back uh i forget what it was Anyway, I don't think I saw it. No. Yeah, they have. They have. Look, I'm happy that they exist. I'm happy they're that they're out there. Yeah, they're just massive. I think the thing that starts to just get a little obnoxious, and it isn't just Netflix; it's everybody. It's just the whole change. Like, it isn't necessarily filmmakers that are making content anymore. Yeah. It's boardrooms that are making content. Yeah, it's like corporate. Yeah. It's it. I literally feel the same way when I go in for pitches for movies as I did when I would do pitches for commercials. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, it's like, well, these are the numbers. I mean, that's why I can't really watch these new Star Wars films because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone was talking about the first one that came out, The Force Awakens, that came out a few years ago, and they were talking about how amazing it was. I love Star Wars. I mean, you know... I was very sad when episode one came out because we all walked into that, out of that theater like, ooh, that was bad. But <laughs> we're not good to admit it to ourselves just yet. But right. yeah, The Force Awakens, you're like, okay, cool. They took it away from Lucas. They're going to reimagine it. But then when I was watching it, I just felt like I was watching um, the leftovers of a committee that agreed on story plot points because you can't be risky here because we need to, this guy to come back later on. I mean... Martin Scorsese, he just did an opinion piece, I think, in the New York Times, and he's absolutely right in his assessment of the industry right now. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no risky movie. It doesn't exist. There's no, like, you know, 10 to $30 million film anymore. It's either $1 million or it's, like, $200 million and it's a franchise property. Um, that's why I did like The Joker, because at least that was kind of getting back to more of this art house modernist period of cinema even though it was pulling a lot of references from other things but like it's interesting because Todd Phillips was you know playing within the lane of this is what's selling right now this is what's getting funded and it's these um, origin stories from superheroes I thought it was fun I thought thought it it was great yeah he did a good job 
I love the cinematography in it. I oh thought yeah, it was, Lawrence Sher. Yeah, it's yeah amazing. it was fantastic, dude. Yeah. Um, I was happy that that existed. That's uh, that's why, like, I talk about that movie on the show now, and I talk about Lighthouse, and I talk about movies that uh, when I go see them, I feel like they're original. Even though he he was basing that on like Kings of Comedy and Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver, yeah, he was literally just taking the language used for those films and yeah. telling a whole other story. Yeah, definitely. Which I thought was nice. Yeah. It wasn't him referencing them. It yeah. wasn't like, here, you know, he's going to put a gun up to his head. There, there wasn't any of that specific referencing yeah. that you see in like uh, Stranger Things. Right. Or, yeah. Like that, where it's like, hey, yeah, Homage. we've seen this. Yeah. yeah. You're like, cool, we've all seen this. Yeah. You know, literally. Literally, I walk into a room to pitch an idea, and there's a fucking twenty other filmmakers that all come from the same background. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We We're all, all love fucking Spielberg. Like, yeah, we all we it's all just, love that. That's shit. just yeah, art and culture. Everyone's influencing the previous generation, and we're slowly just kind of evolving mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you know a lot of commercials that you see now they all kind of have a very similar tone and style. They all look beautiful. They all have gorgeous shots. But, you know, in terms of like, I don't know, like a Levi's ad that you would see with, you know, a rustic old man's voice talking, reading a <laughs> Ralph Emerson poem. And, you know, is that a guy, Ralph Emerson? I'm just making up people right now. I feel like I'm smart. I was sitting here going, yeah, Ralph. <laughs> Waldo? I don't know. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Put on a TV. Watch, who watches TV anyway? <laughs> Everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The styles all kind of change together it feels like which is fun and frustrating but, but also I, I think that's why bring it back to your work that's why i was really excited to get you on the show and meet you yeah because uh your tone is great thanks and and, and it, whether it's you and your partner doing it like the tone that you guys are creating is really fantastic yeah with this stuff and thank you there's an actual voice there which is strange yeah you know <laughs> Because uh, these days I feel like everything feels like it was created by Taco Bell. Like they yeah. just rolled it the fuck out. I quit Taco Bell about 10 years ago. Oh, you work for Taco yeah. Bell, huh? No, no, no. I quit eating it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I would eat it all the time. And uh, I was like, I've got to stop. Like a junkie would have to put down the needle. And I said, no more Taco Bell. If I go into Taco Bell, I don't go into Taco Bell anymore. Because if I do go in there, I end up with like 10 chicken sock tacos yeah. and three double deckers. Yes. And it's what I do. You get everything. I was a cheesy gordita crunch. That was my drug of poison. And then you eat it, and you're fucking hungry like 20 minutes later. Yeah, and then you feel bad about your life. But in that little moment of eating it, it feels so good (laughs) to be bad. Just shaking those little hot sauce packets. Oh, yeah. The fire was never hot. It never got there. No, no. It was just just explaining what your asshole was going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the... uh, yeah, thank you for the compliment about the tone. Um, it's important. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's the sorry to interrupt, but it's the hardest thing um, to pitch. Yeah, yeah, tone. It's kind of an it's something you feel, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. And then trying to sell somebody and, and saying to them, "Will you just invest in what this movie?" Oh, yeah, it's just a bit. Like I'm looking at the script, and it's just a basic. Fuck the script. Yeah. The tone is the reason why you're going to go see this movie. Exactly. Yeah. What is what does that make you feel? Like, how yeah. are you going to cover it? And that's, you know, the great thing about directing is you get to determine and kind of set that out as best you can. I mean, you know, I feel like, yeah. You and I would get the same script, do it completely differently. And yeah. I'd want to see both of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah. because... I'd be interested to see how it, that story would be told through your voice and yeah. through your tone. And I know people would be interested to see through my voice and my tone. And I think that's what makes us individuals as artists and individuals as, as filmmakers is all that bullshit, like to bring yeah. it back, like all that stuff that we learned while we were trying to replicate other filmmakers yeah. and 
all those really dog shit experiences and you guys building like half-ass rigs to fucking do. Yeah, yeah. Like all that crap. And so when you're in that scenario and someone walks in, whether I'm doing a commercial music video or film, whatever the fuck it is, and someone comes in with not enough money, yeah, not enough fucking resources, no matter what, no matter what. Like if someone came in tomorrow and was like, yo, dude, here's five million. Yeah. They'd expect you to make something that was worth 15 million. Yeah, exactly. You're always pull, stretching a dollar. So then you're sitting there and you're going back going like, oh, fuck, all right. How do I bring this together? And then the money people are always so fucking impressed by that tone, yeah, by that thing. And what that is is that's just experience and confidence. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's falling enough times to where you learn how to you know get back up and and uh, work with what you have because yeah, nothing ever comes out. It gets close, but nothing ever really comes out the way you can plan it. But you have to plan for the unexpected. You know, that's part of it. All right, guys. It's that time I'm going to interrupt the show to start talking about some of my favorite people on the planet, the men and women that help support this show, the people that sponsor me, sponsor the show, keep the episodes coming, uh, keep the uh, the gear up, which is good. You know, I'm going to start buying some new equipment soon. Um, and it's all because of the help of my sponsors and the help of you guys listening to the show. Anytime that you guys donate to the show, you can do so at inlovewiththeprocess.com. Brand new site, by the way. Set up. I'm curating uh, the episodes based upon uh, subject material. So, if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, you can listen to episodes by directors, you can listen to episodes by artists, um, by film crew members. Uh, it's a very easy way to navigate through the 50 plus episodes that I have so far. Um, and it's an also great spot to check out my sponsors. Now I'm going to say this before I start the read. It is incredibly important that you guys just click the links for my sponsors. Just click through because they track that stuff. That's how they sit there and they go, Mike, you actually reach people. Okay, it's worth us to sponsor the show because people are actually clicking through. Yes, they are. So just do it right now. Right below the episode, find one of those things. Maybe you're looking for a new computer. Maybe you're looking at some lights. Quasar Science is a great link for that, man. They got some cool shit that I'll talk about in a second. Um, and maybe uh, you're looking for some music and you're an editor out there and you're looking for some new music. Uh, music Bed is also great for that. And uh, let's get to the first read. The boys, Puget Systems, the guys that have been around forever, the guys that continue to support me. And they were just out here in Los Angeles. Two days ago, I went and hung out with them. They were out here at the uh, Adobe Max convention. I think it was Adobe Max. Um, I love those dudes. Eric and Matt, uh, they were out here hanging out. We had a bunch of beers. We went out and had late night Mexican. Oh, really good. Um, but... If you are in the market for a new computer, gone are the days that you have to buy brand specific in order to be professional, right? I mean, how often were we told that if you don't own a MacBook Pro, if you don't own an iMac, then you're not a real filmmaker, correct? Um, your PCs don't run out ProRes, they are professional, they're not reliable, they crash all the time. Remember all this bullshit that we were fed? Yeah, the good news is, is that's gone. And I know a lot of you guys out there are cutting on Adobe products the same way I cut on Adobe products. I'm not sponsored by them yet. I should be. Um, Adobe runs on both Mac and PC. 
So what is the difference? Ultimately, it comes down to price. Price based upon what hardware you're getting, whether or not you're paying for advertising and unboxing experiences, how much money do we blow on just that alone with these guys? I don't give a fuck what the box looks like. I wanna open it up, I wanna plug it in, and I wanna make sure it works amazing. That's why I work with Puget Systems. So if you're in the market for a brand new computer, go check them out. Go to PugetSystems.com. There you can check or you can select a uh, baseline computer based upon the software you use. You can go through and say, hey, look, I am a Premiere user. I'm an After Effects user. They will suggest to you um, a starting point for whatever computers they're building. And the cool thing about these guys is they want to hear from you. They want to talk to you. They want to be uh, they want to be building custom systems for you. So you can reach out to them, let them know what your budget is, let them know what it is that you need, and they will help build a system. And their prices are fantastic. Linden, my good buddy Linden Gledhill, who did all of the practical effects for 12KM, he just reached out to them and he's building a monster machine and it is coming underpriced. It's coming underneath the base level price for those new Mac towers. And this thing is monster machine. So if you're looking to build a brand new PC, if you're looking to build a new computer, think PC. PC is easier, it's faster, it's better, it's more upgradable, and these guys have killer customer support. Go to PugetSystems.com. Also up, uh, good buddies over at Quasar Science, one of the coolest uh, new things in the film world over the past five, six years has been the advancements in lighting technology. LEDs have changed the face of lighting in movies for forever. You know, uh, there was a period in time where the only thing that you were lighting with were tungsten units, and those are amazing, amazing old school lights, but they're hot as fuck. So your sets, everybody's sweating on those sets. Um, there's specifically one color temp and then you're having to gel them, and then you gotta go buy gels, and waste money on gels, because well, gels get uh, used up and they get thrown away, and they don't last that long, and they're super fucking expensive. Um, but you don't need to go that route anymore, because with LEDs, if you buy like a rainbow colored LED from Quasar, um, they have every color in the spectrum in it. So you can dial in the color you need. Uh, they don't draw that much power, so you don't have to worry about circuits and circuit breakers. Uh, a lot of this stuff runs on battery power, which is really cool. They're super lightweight. Uh, they're tubes. I've got a bunch of tubes. I've got a two foot, I've got like two two foot tubes and a couple one foot tubes. Um, they're fantastic key lights. They're fantastic fill lights. Uh, they're fantastic edge lights. Uh, and if you've seen any music video, any recent music video for the past two or three years, and you see uh, the fluorescent tubes, quote unquote fluorescent tubes that are in it, those are usually Quasar. Most of the time, they're Quasar. And a lot of the gaffers and a lot of the lighting techs that are listening to the show are like, yeah, the Quasar. Because they're in every shop. Every rental place has them. Um, so if you are looking to build your own kit as like a young independent filmmaker, um, check them out. Because they're affordable uh, and they're very easy. They're very compact. So like if you're driving around in some like shitty little hatchback, you don't need a ton of space for your gear. You'll need more room for your camera case than you will for these. So go to quasarscience.com, check them out. Click the link below. All right, so next up is uh, Musicbed. New sponsor, love these guys. These are the only guys that send me copy, so I'm gonna read the copy and uh, probably improv my way through it. So, uh, 
Ah, uh, yeah, I completely agree with this. So it totally sucks to get bogged down in the edit process when you try to track down a soundtrack for your film. Yes, this happens to me all the time. There's nothing worse when you're cutting something for a client, especially if you're doing commercial work and the client's like, ah, we don't know what we want for music. Oh, we don't really have a budget for music. That drives me insane. And especially if you're cutting whatever bullshit material that they've given you and you have to try to create a story with it, you need music. Music drives like most, if not all, of uh, commercial content. It just does. And that's the worst part. Hunting for stock music, because stock music always sounds like crap. Uh, I've been there, and so has the team for Musicbed. In fact, the entire reason why they built their platform, it's the entire reason why they built their platform. They've made it easier than ever for you to find the song that you're looking for with intuitive and easy to use browse and search, amazing indie artists and bands, and incredible composers like Ryan Taubert and Chad Larson. Their roster is growing every day with tens and thousands of songs ranging from cinematic and electronic to indie rock and hip hop. And with their single song licenses or subscriptions that give you unlimited downloads, there's something for every type of filmmaker or editor or producer. All right, let's be real. Most of the time it's editors and producers that are looking for these tracks. Uh, to create your free account and learn more, go to musicbed.com plus as an in love with the process let me start that again. Plus, as an in love with the process listener, they're giving you one month of subscription for free or 20% off a single song license. That's pretty awesome, guys. So like if you're in the middle of a project right now or if you're about to start a project and you know your client's going to need that stuff, go to musicbed.com, enter in the promo code, the process when you check it out, and you'll be able to get, like I said, uh, let's go back here free account and 20% off a single song license. That's what I get when I try to improv through a read. Because then I have to go back and read this stuff quick. I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> Just go to musicbed.com and enter the promo code the process when you check out. So yeah, those are the reads for this episode. Uh, and like I said, always go check out my stuff on Instagram. That's Mike Petch on Instagram or In Love With The Process P.O.D. on Instagram. Um, and um, that's it, man. Let's get right back to the show. In my earlier years, I would, when I was, you know, shooting more and editing, I would encounter different directors that would, you know, be so controlling and they would hold on and it had to be like, it's got to be just like this. And, uh, you know, I hate those people. <laughs> we don't talk anymore um, because I think filmmaking is a collaborative art, but it should be about going with the flow and just allowing things to move. What is the path of least resistance in this thing? You know, because it's going to show you. I learned that completely firsthand knowledge when I made my feature, uh, Zendog, because um, we were literally dealing with the elements. Uh, my, how, many, how long did you shoot that? How many weeks was it? It was a four week shoot. It was three weeks on the road. We had a legit actor by the name of Kyle Gallner, who's been in a ton of stuff. He was repped at Three Arts and UTA at the time when we were shooting. 
his people did not want him to do this film because mm-hmm. they're like, what if you die? And what if, blah, blah, blah. and it's always a no with these idiots <laughs> um, <coughs> that don't know anything. These people that sit in their high towers are just, they're supposed to, that's their job. They got that job because they like saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we, uh, the producer who was also my DP, a guy by the name of Richie Trimble, He's an amazing artist. He lives out in Detroit. Um, he built the world's tallest bike. Uh, he's a crazy guy. Um, Whoa. Richie, uh, I wanted to rent two passenger vans. I'd be like, we're going to load everyone in these pass vans. We'll drive different cities, get out and shoot. And he goes, no, we need a bus. And I'm like, I don't have money for a bus. <laughs> so he sold, he believed in the project so much, he sold his red camera package that he had at the time. Um, and he spent $10,000 and bought a used charter bus from uh, a church outside of LA and uh, it was an old rickety bus and he spent the next four months gutting it uh, ripping out all the chairs to make it a non-commercial vehicle so he could drive it he put in bunk beds a kitchen working kitchen sink a refrigerator a stove with a propane tank a makeup table a DIT table uh, just decked it out completely and uh, we put our whole cast and crew on that bus and we drove cross-country and it became like our Millennium Falcon. Hey, Star Wars, boom, reference for all you nerds out there. You guys seen Star Wars, the original? Anyway, uh, as we were making this film, you know, you're, deal- you're literally, we shot it in October, and we were dealing with the elements of the impending cold coming in, storms coming in through Colorado, and things constantly changing and just morphing. And it was a lesson. I feel like that kind of made me who I am today because it just taught me that you you know, have a strong vision, have a goal, but just, you don't need to know how you're going to get there. Exactly. Right. Allow it to just trust that it's going to happen. I mean, in LA, we call that manifestation, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. That stuff is true. Like, you know, that's how we all got here. When you want to make something, you, you can't get hung up on the little details about how you just kind of have to trust that things are going to work out. And they always will work out. And things that might seem like the end of the world usually aren't. That's usually when one door closes, you know. I keep saying these stupid <laughs> One door closes, a window. You climb in the window, you get arrested. You're not supposed to be there. But yeah, the life will find a way. You know, it'll adapt. And God, I keep saying it. Life will find a so, way. So now we're in Jurassic Park. Oh, man. I'm just like in this like quote library. I got so many quotes. <laughs> But it's true. I mean, the only other way to say it without saying quotes is just fucking do it. Yeah, and just do it. even that's a fucking yeah, quote. Yeah, Nike. Even that's a quote. Nike, just do it. But it's true. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. But it's true. That should be that should be your slogan of this podcast. Butter's true. <laughs> Butter's true. <laughs> Butter's true. Butter's true. <laughs> um, that's my Tommy Wiseau impression. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of which, you were talking about him before the, before the show. You know him, Yeah, right? I know him. Hi, Rick. Hi, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> we don't really talk anymore. Um we had a bit of a, I guess we had a falling out. Well, I will text him on Christmas and he'll write me back. Merry Christmas to you too. My God. It's so, wow. he, so he actually, he's not playing a character. He actually talks like that's that. him. Yeah, yeah. He's a straight up alien from another planet. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Tommy. Okay. I'll give you my, my abridged version of my Tommy story. So okay. I've lived in LA for a long time. I've been here since uh, 2001. Um, at the time of this podcast, it's uh, what eighteen years I've been here. It'll be nineteen in January, and um, I around two thousand three, I was still in film school. I would see a billboard on Highland and San Vicente, 
and there was a giant billboard and it said the room <laughs> and there was a you know picture of tommy's uh, face with his lazy eye and it was black and white <laughs> and it had quotes and i was like is this some european art house bullshit is this a play is this a movie i would always see it and be like what is this never interested in seeing it but just like what it i could tell it was self-finance because it was there for like five years <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um this is before the room was the room that we know that we know and love today and uh it was around 2006 i was driving to napa valley and I've done this drive many times. It's a six-hour drive on the five. Very boring. And I've done it in the night, in the day, all times. You know, I straight drive. Just one stop for gas. Get there. Done. Want to get there as quickly as possible. So it's around 3 p.m. I'm going up the five. And I'm halfway through my drive. I'm three and a half hours in. And I see, a, I come up to a, a slow-moving black SUV. A nice, it's like an Escalade. Mm-hmm. And on the back window was... Um, a uh, decal it was like uh sticker letters someone wrote out the room movie.com www.theroommovie.com and i was like the room movie that's that billboard because i just recognized the name so this guy got in the slow lane and in my mind i'm like oh it must be like a publicist or someone that works for the film i had this vision of who it could be i pull up alongside the car i look over it's the guy from the billboard the tommy Wiseau. and i was like what the hell He's promoting his own movie? Like, who is this guy? So he was probably going 60 miles per hour. I was doing 90. I was <laughs> flying. He was driving slow. So I pass him, and he's gone. He's out of my my mirror. I call a friend, a filmmaker friend back home in L.A., and I said, hey, I just passed this car. It was theroommovie.com. Can you look it up? So he keeps me on the phone. He's uh, going onto the Internet, and he's looking this thing up, and he goes, oh, it's like a bad movie that people love, and he's watching the trailer, and he's laughing on the other end, and I'm like, oh, cool. I got to see this movie. This is weird. <laughs> So we hang up. I'm like, I'll see you in a couple of days. We were collaborating on something at the time. And I would say about an hour later, I'm on the five and I all of a sudden go from energetic to completely drowsy to like super sleepy to the point where I am going to crash my car. And I've never in my dozens of times of driving back and forth between LA and Napa, I've never had to pull over and take a nap. But I was like, I got to pull over now. And uh, at that, right at that moment, as I get sleepy, I look up and there is a uh, rest stop sign, you know, rest stop pullover. I pull in, mm-hmm. park my car. It's still daytime out. The sun's out. I put the seat back. I take a nap. I set my alarm for 20 or 30 minutes. I wake up, take my uh, ex-girlfriend's, we're exes now, but we're boyfriend-girlfriend at the time, take her dog, who's in my backseat, out for a little walk. He pees, he poops. I walk back to the car. I look over. 100 feet away, it's the black SUV. I'm like, what is going on right now? This is weird. So I'm like, I've got to... Usually if something, a weird coincidence like that happens, I have to act on it. I have to. I got to see what this is all about. (laughs) So I put the dog in the car. I walk up to the SUV. As I'm getting closer, I see Tommy. And he's just sitting in the driver's side. And he's staring into the abyss. There's nothing he's looking at. It was like just flat ground. And he's just got this real solemn look. I don't know what he was doing. He was just staring at nothing. I get closer. He notices me out of his peripheral vision. And uh, he looks at me with like this look of fear. Uh Like I caught him doing something bad. It was like as if he was masturbating in his car. But he wasn't. (laughs) But it was as if you were and someone caught you. 
And he looks at me with like fear, like I was going to rob him or something. And I tell him to roll down his window and he does. I'm like, you're Tommy Wiseau from the room. And all of a sudden he lights up. He gets this big smile. He's got mustard and little pieces of lettuce on his face and a double-double In-N-Out wrapper on the top of his dash as if he just took the burger and just smeared it into his face. And I was like, whoa, this guy is on something else. He's not from this plane. And uh, he gets out and he proceed. we get into talk. And I was a cinematographer at the time. I just bought a red camera. He just bought a red camera. And he goes, listen, if you ever need to rent gear, let me know. And he gives me his business card, which is the weirdest business card. It's like a business card for a rental house called like HD Camera Rentals. And uh, we do anything for you. Some weird slogan with his number. I still have it somewhere. And uh, I'm like, cool, here's my number. And then I go, Tommy, I got to go. You keep talking. I didn't say, I wasn't rude, but I'm like, it's been 45 minutes. The sun's going. I got to get dinner. They're waiting for me up there. I got to leave. Bye. He goes, okay, no problem. And uh, the next day, this guy calls me. He goes, I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I just want to know if you need any gear for rent. And I was like, no, I don't have any jobs. I just started doing cinematography. I'm like, I don't need it, but I'll let you know. And uh, a week later, I got a job. They needed a monitor. And I went down there to a studio on Pico. And he took it. I got there. We agreed at 12 o'clock. He showed up at 1.30. I had to wait in the parking lot for an hour and a half. He rented me the monitor for 20 bucks, which I would turn around and rent to a client for 200. <laughs> and, uh, and it was weird. And he started renting me gear and I started bringing friends over to, to meet him. You know, you got to meet this guy from the room and every friend I would bring over. And I'm not joking about this. When we would leave his studio, that friend, whoever they were, would fall asleep in the car. And my buddy, who is a close, he's a close friend of mine, um, said, "Do you think that maybe he's a, a real alien? Because yes. you fell asleep when you met him, <laughs> and everyone else falls asleep." And I was like, "Probably, yeah." Because one time, I swear, his left arm looked smaller than the right arm, and I think he was shape shifting back into form. <laughs> and uh, no, Tommy's like still a—he's—I consider him a friend, even though we don't really talk anymore. There were a couple of Canadian filmmakers that made a documentary called Room Full of Spoons, and it was an unauthorized biopic where they went out to Tommy's homeland, uh, which was another planet, and they interviewed like his cousin, and they got some you know dirty interviews about him, and he hated them, and he never saw the film, and but these I directed a music video with Tommy as the star, and these filmmakers used my music video in their doc oh. so tommy saw he got wind of that and he called me a piss and he's like why you do this i didn't do it for any money like this is not okay rick and then i was like tommy i don't know what you're talking about good to hear from you he would call me every three to six months and uh i was like what is this so i investigated i got the movie i watched it i told these guys you can't do this without permission they're like we've been trying to get a hold of your partner he had, so we just did it anyway I'm like, is a movie out? They're like, no. I'm like, well, Tommy needs to see this movie because it's actually really good. And I think, Tommy, you should get a piece of this. So I tried to be the bridge maker because I, I saw a really good documentary. I saw guys that actually loved Tommy in the room and made something that was really fascinating. And uh, I, I, they couldn't talk to Tommy at all. They've been trying to get a hold of him for over a year. And I was able to open up that line of communication and you know make both parties communicate. Well, Tommy got the, uh, the doc and he was livid. He hated it. And he hated me for trying to, like, you know. Ooh. And so, yeah, we haven't uh, talked uh, kind of since then. And um, 
you know, I feel like I kind of lost a friend a little bit because he was uh, my one alien friend. And I feel like we all need one friend who's an alien. And you haven't been able to sleep since. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just always awake. Ha ha ha. I don't take your energy anymore. <laughs> Tommy's one of those guys where if you talk about him enough, I feel his presence in the room. I watch you, okay? <laughs> I made Tommy, I made a really campy uh, web series like in 2010 and Tommy was in it. Really? Playing an alien called the Mindfucker. <laughs> and he had an assistant in an office and the assistant's name was Tom in the script. And last minute Tom's, uh, sorry, Tommy was like, instead of Tom, why don't we call him Mark? And Mark is Tommy's co-star in the room. I'm like, of course, his name is Mark now. So he's going, hi, Mark. And it was like this weird room. But I got to say, I met Tommy before it was cool. I sound like the ultimate hipster. But right, right, back, right. back then in 2006, 2007, the room happened once a month, at the Lem- which was called the Lemley Sunset on Crescent Heights and Sunset Boulevard. And uh, they, it would be three quarters full. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even pack the house. One theater, once a month midnight showing and the audience in that the first time i ever saw the room uh back then it was truly like one of, i'll never forget the experience it was magical because this audience saw this film 15 16 times they were obsessed they had their own language that they would infuse it's in between crazy. lines they had things that were choreographed out and there was like a genuine love and then 9 months later entertainment weekly did an article and he was packing the house, lines around the block. And there was I went to one of those screenings, and there was a difference. There was a crudeness and a meanness. Yeah. The audience were mean. They were making fun of him. And the other audience, the original audience, like there was a love for him. And you felt that. Uh, and it was kind of sad to see it become a thing. I guess I've never had a band that I've gone to, and then they blow up. But to me, that was like seeing a, a small-town band become big time. And then, you know, James Franco made the disaster artist and it was just you know well yeah they hit the point i remember because i didn't i found out about it through some friends that were like this movie's fucking retarded and this <laughs> this guy's an ad like and so I, I get that i feel like there was that whole promotions for it where it was like watch what a jerk this guy is yeah and and that yeah. definitely was where it started to really blow up was yeah that everybody was like oh, i'm in on the joke too this guy's an exactly asshole. yeah and it's it's weird because i've seen him he had me come out and do a um, like record a Q and A for I think the seventh or the tenth anniversary at the Lemley Sunset after the Entertainment Weekly article, and he was starting to do Tim and Eric stuff back then. He was starting to get into the public, yeah. you know, sphere, and um, there he, you know, his whole thing is he will present the film and he'll do Q. He loves the attention, and then he won't watch the film. He'll go home and that'll be it. But I often felt like he led kind of a, you know, a lonely life and like he didn't have many people that were close to him. And, you know, I don't like it when people make fun of other people or try to put them down or hurt them. I don't like that. Um, There's a way to make fun and embrace at the same time. And that original audience, they did, they had, there was a magic there. I've never been to anything like it before, but uh, yeah, much love to Tommy. He's, uh, he's definitely, you know, yeah, I love them. Yeah. Don't you like how professional this podcast is right now? Oh, you got to. Yeah. You know, what's funny podcasting. Um, I just recently started a podcast myself. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my podcast, I do it with my actor buddy, Chris Candy, uh, who is a good friend of mine. And it's called Bumper to Bumper. 
Okay. And he's in his car and I'm in my car and we're in LA traffic and we have mics like this in the car. <laughs> we're talk we've only done we haven't put them out yet. So probably by the time this comes out, they'll slowly be trickling out. But yeah, they're ridiculous. We use a GoPro so you see our faces, but yeah, we're dealing with all kinds of it's probably the most dangerous, stupid show that we've ever done. What are you guys talking about on the show? Uh we interviewed right now it's just like interviewing friends uh the first one was just kind of getting to know who we are so we can you know open that up to an audience this last one we did with john john uh, my writing partner just became a new father and i don't know anyone uh my age in la that's a dad so it was like what's that like what how afraid were you what and so we got into a great little conversation about that but we're gonna have all types of great to have you on as well i'd love to come on we'll come we'll pick you up one okay. of us will pick. It'll probably be me. Pick you up. Get in. You got a little handheld mic. Drive around in traffic, and uh, it's fun because we're dealing with traffic and dealing with the podcast. So we'll be having a conversation and be like, "Get the fuck out of the way!" Like honking <laughs> yeah. and like, "Oh, I don't honk anymore." But you know, like uh, you know, we'll deal with almost getting sideswiped while doing a pod. I, I, I growing up because Boston's traffic is actually everybody talks about how terrible the traffic is out of here. Yeah, Boston's traffic is a whole other beast. Yeah. It, it's essentially, is it worse? Dude, it's essentially because, because that town was designed in a time period where there were horses and buggies and yeah, shit. It's and not so, meant for it. And so now you have like overdevelopment happening and you have uh, Boston's essentially a college campus for like 124 colleges. Mm. That's it. Yeah. And so. Wait, there's 124 colleges in, in Boston? Boston? That's nuts. It's insane. Wow. And so what happens every September, it just bloats. Yeah. It just literally fucking, it's like how many people. Like, oh, because all the kids come in. All the kids come in. Yeah. Like so, like move-in day is September 1st. All the landlords set it up so that it has to be September 1st. Right. And they're literally like convoys of U-Hauls. Oh, my God. It's insanity. And then you go from, because the city's super fucking small. You can literally walk it yeah. in a day. Yeah. You can literally boop, 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 get to yeah. point A to point B. Um, and so when it isn't that time of year, or if it's like certain times at night, I can literally drive from either end of that city in like eight minutes. Yeah. But when it is that way, hour and a half. I, it takes an hour and a half just to go to the fucking store. Yeah. That's like LA. I mean, yeah, we, but we have a lot of anger issues. Yeah. So there's a in lot Boston. of Boston. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have yeah. no accent. Were you from, are you born there? I'm born in Boston. Yeah. yeah. Did it, you just didn't, I, my accent shows up when uh, I get pissed. Yeah. Or around someone else. Oh, yeah. Well, Kinda, I don't know, Gina. We don't really have accents. Do you have? You don't have an accent, right? Bastin. You fucking boss. You fucking jerk. My girlfriend's grandma uh, has like a Boston accent, and it's just so endearing hearing, you know, an older, um, you know, grandma like with a boss. How you do? I don't know. It's just I can't do the I, accent. It's, it's the cow. Yeah, it's the A's. I, it's the A's. It's yeah. lazy. You don't. You never really finish off. You yeah. never really finish off a statement. Yeah, yeah. You're just like yeah, you know. And for for me. I think the only thing that I really take from Boston is that I use the word fucking to fill any yeah. any any moment that I'm trying to fucking think about something. Yeah, fuck. Fucking fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck. Well, fuck, they fuck, say fuck, fuck. saying fuck a lot is a sign of intelligence. So well, I must be a goddamn fucking yeah, genius. You're a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Einstein said fuck all the time. E fucking equals MC fucking squared. Right? <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. I'm out. <laughs> That's more New York, though. That's yeah, yeah, that's my... Very specific. Yeah. That's very specific. I had an accent in Jersey. Not a thick one, but I did have one where it was like dog and water. And, and like, I moved here. I moved to California in fourth grade. And uh, yeah, I got made fun of it enough to where I just suppressed it. It'll come back if I'm drinking around other New Yorkers. If I'm there, I'm like suddenly like 
you know, uh, on Who's the Boss? I'm Tony Danza. How you doing? <laughs> it's just like, what the Mona hell? Samantha. Mona. Oh, man. I love that show. I used to watch the shit yeah, out of that show. Yeah, it's great. I used to live across the street from the studio where they shot that show. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, I just moved out of that neighborhood. Fucking uh, Alyssa Milano, man. Oh, yeah. It's great. If she ever comes in this house, Gina, we're breaking up. Oh, do you guys have that deal? The... um. A hall pass or something? Yeah. What is your... Who's the guy? Who's, who's the guy? Who's the actor that Jill uh, leave me for? You don't want to say the actor? Who's Let me guess. Jason Statham. No. Which actor? Actor? Will Arnett. <laughs> These what's, are his, not... what's his nuts from uh, Twilight? Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah. you like The Lighthouse then? She hasn't seen it yet. Oh. There's a whole lot of like very... Uh, He's great. Yeah. It's very intimate sequences in there that... that that might uh, keep, oh, yeah. keep you awake. Oh, that one. Yeah, we're not going to give any spoilers. <laughs> but there's something going on when a guy is on an island for too long. And they're like, you got to do something. Yeah, he's got he's, he's to let the demons out. Yeah, he makes a Hot Pocket in a microwave <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> no, he's great. He's, he's really shifted his career. Kudos to him. Fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like the McCona- McConaughey kind of vibe of where he, you know, oh, McConaughey was like yeah. known for like the shirtless. Yeah, the all right, all right. All right, all right. And then they were like, how about you tone it down and <laughs> meet this guy, Chris Nolan? How about you tone it way down? Yeah, tone it way down. And then get in Lincoln's and just. <laughs> get in Lincoln's and pick your nose. <laughs> Those commercials are ridiculous. That's why I do love, we live in a great time because there's so many things to make fun of, you know? Totally. It's just like we have so much content to just make fun of. I mean, you can make fun of this podcast too. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. Fully but don't. <laughs> yeah, fully, fully okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Fully okay with it. I don't know who would make fun of a podcast. So that's weak. I, I barely know anything. So the fact that I am holding an audience and pretending like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I feel like we're having a great conversation. Oh yeah, man. There is a weird culture though that YouTube has spawned, and it's this whole like um, you know just com- commentary culture where yeah. all these accounts just do commentary about other people's accounts. It's like what is going on? It's What's happening weird, here? Dude, Everyone's dude. doing review videos, unboxing videos, and I'm over here like struggling with like making a rig to do a pull-up bar on for a short film and then you look at the fucking following count yeah and i'm like what am i how does bad baby like have 14 million followers Uh uh-huh what's going on here Uh uh-huh it's a bitch dude are we drinking the dumb juice is is it in the water like what's happening yeah it's very strange i think someone just broke into your house (laughs) what's going on over there was that a fart that was a loud fart if that was Oh, oh that's farted over yeah. there. Ooh. You guys have a cat? No, no, oh. we have another roommate. Have another roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is her name Cat? No, his name is no, his name is Mike. Mike Tran. Oh, Tran, oh. we call him Tran. Oh, okay. I thought you said. Do you, wait? Is there a cat, or did I just hear cat? No. I gotta get off this cat thing. <laughs> no cats. No cats. Speaking of cats, I mean that movie. I don't know. I can't wait for it. Really? Speaking of making fun of stuff. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a little stone. Isn't that? Little, it's like uh, Avatar 2, right? Yeah. I don't know. I liked Avatar 1. There's going to be about to be 14 Avatars that are about to hit us every I, year. Weirdly. And it's all going to be Disney now. Oh, Disney took over? Disney oh, that's right. Because they bought Fox. Fox. Yeah, that's right. Did you know that when Disney bought Fox, they had meetings about whether or not to put out uh, Taika Watiti's movie, Jojo Rabbit? Really? Because they were like, we don't know if audiences are going to enjoy a movie 
where we kind of make Hitler a light-hearted figure. They were gonna. There were there was talks about canceling that that film, and uh, they didn't because I think they didn't want to damage the relationship with him because he's doing Thor and a bunch of other things. But and he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love it. I I haven't seen Jojo yet, but I did see Hunt for the Wilder People a couple years ago, and I was laughing my ass off. It was so I laughed my so ass funny. off anytime I see him do anything. Yeah, he's great. If he's just doing like promotions for a fucking movie, I'll sit yeah. to the goddamn interview. Yeah. And which is interesting because that now adds value to him. And this is something that I've been learning because I'm trying to cast uh, these movies and uh, I'll have like my agents are like, make a list of actors. Yeah. Right. And you're like, sure. Mel Gibson. You know what I mean? Like you start pounding oh, off like. But he's not. You know. You got the back of that cop car. <laughs> yes. So you. Everyone just forgot about Mel Gibson. <laughs> you know. I Dude, I, I would work with him in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you, like, I start to rattle off names that I love, you know, and you know, I'll send it to the guys, and they're like, okay, so none of these people have value. And I'm like, how the fuck do yeah. they not have value? And then I was like, well, how do you rate value? What is the rating system for value yeah. for for folks? Is it like what movies they're in? And and at this point, I think the closest thing that I can come to for for an answer is a they have to be in some sort of Marvel movie, right? Uh, or they have to be really good in the press junkets, yeah. So they have to be like really good. You know how to like, sell. Well, not just that, but the the whole like new wave of uh, fucking game show bullshit that they do yeah. on every goddamn talk show. It's like you know, eat the fucking gross food. Whoa! Oh, like karaoke in the car. All that bullshit. Yeah, and, James Gordon. They're more focused on how many hits are on that shit than they yeah. are on the fucking movie itself. Yeah, it's a weird time. Art is dead. <laughs> I had a screenwriting professor at USC, and he said a quote that I'll never forget. Uh, it's, art has become so mediocre that mediocrity has become art. And I love that. And he's like, if you ever take my line, he's from Boston. He's like, you ever take that line, I'm going to sue you. I'm like, dude, you're close to death's door. You're like 80 years old. I think we're going to be okay. Ed DiLorenzo, I think he's still alive. He was a great guy. He would just spend the whole class telling us that we're all garbage and we're shit and we're never going to make it. Mm, what a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, was, we were paying him for that privilege. <laughs> yeah. He's like, your, first, your 20th draft is my third draft, okay? Never stop writing. He was like a weird boxer type. And then he would give us all this knowledge. And then I remember two weeks left to go in the semester. He's like, okay, this class, I'm going to show you my film that I wrote that I'm proud of. And we watched this feature and it was awful <laughs> yeah, of course it was. i was like okay i wish i never saw that yeah. <laughs> of course it was i used to i had trouble when i was looking into film school because when, this was back in 99 98 when i was looking to get into film school stuff and, and i wanted to just you know pick up fucking cameras and do the yeah. whole ordeal and i had such a fucking problem with a lot of these professors and shit that i would meet where i'm like if you fucking know all this shit and you're really good at it, then what the fuck are you teaching here yeah. for? You know, and that, that has always been my issue. And you see it a lot now with like, you know, uh, Instagram ads where it's like, you want to know how to get all those fucking clients and commercial clients oh, and all that yeah. shit. And you're just like, yeah. if you were so fucking good at it, yeah. why would you tell me about it? And then how do you have time yeah. to make this fucking video? You got the skeptic mind like I do, like completely. I mean, the whole self-help, industry that's like a three billion plus dollar industry right now is kind of built on that idea that you are broken and this will fix you we have the answer there is no answer we're all in the chaos soup 
<laughs> swimming around. Nobody has the answer. No one knows what they're doing. We're all just faking it. Like at every moment there, I mean, the answer is within whatever that answer is for you. I mean, as long as you're not Jeffrey Dahmer, cause that answer <laughs> might be bad, but, <laughs> but you it's know, probably really great for him. Yeah. It's for him. He's for like, him. I love eating people. <laughs> it gives me power. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. All those things are those targeted you know, ads are, are interesting. Yeah. They're what? masterclass and all those things. Are like, yeah. Cause it, cause those things worked for that person and we're not, we're not cookie cutter figures that can just go into a, I mean, you can take advice and I feel like I learned life lessons through experience, trying something, failing, trying it again, working through your friends, your group that you hang out with, you know, the wisdom that your parents gave you or didn't mm-hmm. give you. Mm-hmm. But I've never like read a book and went like Eureka, this is it. And then fuck yeah, yeah. It's always like personal experience, whatever draws you to that thing. But yeah, hey, I spent fucking forty grand on this thing, and yeah. thank God I did. Yeah, I, I just, there's something you said like we're all sort of swimming in the same soup, and when you sort of accept that, it isn't scary anymore. It's, there's something comfort, comfort yeah. in that where you're just like we're all kind of shit. It's yeah. cool that we're all like we're all bullshit. I, I guess that's why I don't get starstruck or any of that yeah. stuff because we're all we coming. Yeah. You're all coming from the same. Fo- it's like you just happen to be either lucky enough or figured out the right combo or just been doing it longer than I have. Yeah, that's all that it is. I mean, that's it. Yeah, oftentimes, and I still like. Well, I get starstruck, or I'll get, I'll think someone is super cool based on what they post, and then you meet them, and then you're like, oh, you're just we're the same. You're this got the same insecurities, you got the same hangups. Everyone's going through something. Everyone has a battle that they're dealing with internally. Uh, tra- we all have trauma that have, have, you know happened to us. I think as artists, especially, like we're we're all a little screwed up uh, in a good way. Um, I think that's why you know a, a lot of my friends were all in this business together. We have something to share in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what my point is here, but yeah, the uh, <laughs> the idea that uh, yeah we're. I don't know. The older I get, the more I start to understand like life isn't something that needs to be wrestled and controlled and like battled and beat to the ground. It's something that you're just supposed to experience. And it's funner when you don't know what's around the corner, you know, and just kind of take a chance. Like I didn't know what this podcast was going to be like, but it's like I it's a rare opportunity for me to go on to a podcast that isn't, you know, a close friend or someone I know. So it was like, this is fun now. And it came from a, a positive place. We we entered that Aloha from Hell uh, festival screening on the last day. We barely got in because we're cool. lazy and we're bad at promoting ourselves. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, you know, take a chance and you do something and it can lead to other things. And some, I, I invited you into my house. You yeah. could, you know, I, I assumed that you were you know, yeah, yeah, going to be yeah, masturbating on my couch. I know. I mean, I, maybe I already did. Maybe I was very quick. <laughs> <laughs> Go see the lighthouse coming to you live. Farts and masturbation. <laughs> In black and white film. <laughs> All right, where are we? Oh, we're doing okay, man. We're about oh, an nice. hour and a half. How are oh, you? Cool. How are you on time right now? I'm you good. Can... Yeah, okay. I'm good. I was uh, doing a little color session uh, this morning at Photochem, which was a lot of fun. I love that color is so abstract and weird. You're like, uh, you speak in weird terms. Also, when you're like doing sound design on the film, you're mm-hmm. talking these, you're talking feelings. Like, I want it to feel inviting, and the colorist just kind of knows. I have this. This amazing guy, Alistair Arnold, who's just incredible. He does a lot of big films, and he always finds time to fit me in for mm-hmm. my little shorts. And mm-hmm. it's but, it's fucking know. wild. Yeah, 
going Color's into like fun. a color room. I don't know. I've never been there. Yeah. But the other spots, it's like you're you're entering like you're on like what you assume would be the the pilot deck or like the captain's deck of a fucking like yeah. aircraft carrier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like you're sitting up high. They have the fucking TV. Yeah. The whole bit, and then I've done coloring in my because I've done a lot of posts on my own, and I've, I've been in that game. And uh, through directing, very similar. Yeah. Through, through directing, you just sort of learn not to be a backseat driver. Yeah. You just learn to be like, okay. And so whenever I do a color session, uh, it usually ends up just being a hangout. Yeah. Where you're just like, do your thing. Yeah. And let me know when you need. Oh, yeah. Power window, that little. Car. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. And then the rest of the time, you're fucking eating or you're bringing in food and you're just, exactly. you're just chilling. Yeah. You're hanging, you're hanging out with a friend. It's the most laid back aspect of it, all of it. It really is. It's a fun, and it's also a fun place to be because you know once you're at the coloring stage, you know you're so close to being done. And uh, yeah. It's still magical too. Yeah, it's it's fun. And it's fun with a, I love working with Al because I'll just be like, what do you think? Like, I sometimes I don't know. And then he's like, well, I think we should do a power window here to bring it. I'm like, let's try it. Let's just see what what happened. He colored my uh, feature and uh, I gave him a lot of creative freedom because my movie deals with um, lucid dreams and it deals with this guy that's drinking this uh, this dream tea that his weird esoteric cousin gives to him that is propelling him through this narrative across the country. So we gradually, like the color has its own weird little story arc where things gradually get more saturated and cool. pumped up and contrasting. Cool. And, Al loved doing that film because, you know, a lot of movies he does, there's just not that level of it's like creative paint, freedom. Paint, paint yeah. by numbers kind of bullshit. Yeah, right? and, you know, that was um, that was fun. Yeah, I, I always enjoy it. I, I enjoy that and sound design equally as well. Sound is incredible, you know, just having good, clear sound and just the design, the creative tone. Yeah, it's my favorite, getting to the finishing stage on everything I do. Dude, I love, I mean, for me, because I spent in my early years uh, in Boston, um, I shared a studio space because you're, you're, you're broke. So you, yeah. you share a studio space with a couple of guys. And I shared a studio space with uh, one of the best um, location engineers, sound mm-hmm. location engineers. Um, and he was just starting to do post sound. Mm-hmm. And so I knew a bunch about computers because I used to build my own computers and shit. Um, and so I would work with him and I spent a lot of time. And he, I remember uh, he got this big feature. He got a Kung Fu movie, which mm-hmm. is like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You get to create all those oh, sound yeah. effects. And I spent uh, a few months with him, just just going through and playing with sound effects and, and like yeah. learning about how the because uh, the technology for audio is insanity. Oh yeah, what you can it's do insanity. to clean something up. Not only that, dude. There's programs like um, oh my god, Isotope. So yeah. Isotope makes like amazing like uh, filter, plugins, right? Plugins like yeah. they make like really cool filter packages. So like if you want to remove sound in the background, right. so. Whenever you guys listen to the show and you hear me bitching because I won't shut my fucking air conditioner off because it's hot in here, all I essentially have to do is run a bit of room tone, which is not talking, and then I can have the program identify the air conditioner noise. Wow! And literally just drag it out, and it doesn't affect the doesn't the affect voice. the voice. That's incredible. So, like at that point, that's really cool. But they also make this program. I'm not going to remember what it is, but when I was doing, I have to send you 12 cam because oh yeah, please. Because that movie's all I want about... I to see your other one, too. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you both of those. Yeah. Uh, th- that other one's all about sound stuff, and I did a lot of my own sound design for it. And there's um, uh, a really cool program that Isotope makes where the whole idea behind that movie is that they hear this noise, mm-hmm. this noise that no one's ever heard before. 
And so how do you design something that no one's ever seen or heard before? That's yeah. the fucking worst thing to have in a script. Because yeah. you're just like, oh. Yeah, it could be anything. Like, yeah. what are the borders? Like, yeah. what's the fence? And so I found this program that was really fucking cool. And what you can do is take any sound and you you edit. So if you guys don't know this, listening, in an edit program, you can visualize sound in a waveform. Mm, yes. And in that waveform, depending upon how high it goes up and how, how low it goes down, it's how high the frequency is and how low the mm-hmm. frequency is. And then when you start to edit for long periods of time, you start to understand rhythms and voice because of how the waveforms go. Yes. You can see who's saying what and what's happening. Well, most waveforms are just seen in two dimension. So it's essentially just, it's right. like someone took a pen and scribbled it out. This program will paint out that waveform. Oh. So it'll paint it into like mountain ranges. Oh, cool. So in the high peak... It'll mountain range all the elements that make this high peak, which is super cool. So it paints it out. It almost looks like it, it looks like a topographical map. It's like 3D almost? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so then what you can do is in like if I just said this, right? Like this. And that was, you see that wave painted out 3D. And then I can go through on that duh or and look at those different points yeah. and take a pencil and circle just different topical parts of that and it'll just play those elements and it oh, weird so this changes into something called so, like, so it's alien yeah it's fucking rad that's cool isotope is that how you came up with this sound i bits and pieces were added into yeah. that and i started early on i started to develop noises that were too weird yeah and it was like so right. like it had to be dialed back and we had to find some stuff and then uh, when we end up doing the feature version of it, uh, I'll have a whole bigger team, so it'll be better. But it came out really great. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I think you'll dig it. Yeah. It's like, best way to describe it is it's uh, The Thing meets Close Encounters meets David Lynch. Okay, I'm so sold. You're, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that. It's my wheelhouse. And it, it's a movie in Russian, and I don't speak Russian. So oh, it, cool. Uh, all the languages and the whole subtitles? It's all subtitled. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, because they're a Russian uh, mining crew. Yeah. And was, was it just, taken from a real story? Yeah. 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 So in the 1970s to the 80s, they actually dug this hole. It was in uh, Kola Pen- Peninsula, which is in Russia. Mm. And then uh, on the internet, there was this whole fucking, I think it was like a Christian myth that was sort of spread around when they lowered microphones down into the planet and they recorded the sounds oh. of hell. Yes. I've heard about this. The well from hell. This was that that moment. So okay. then what I did is I had heard about that story years prior, and everybody's heard this, but fuck it, I'll tell the story yeah. again. So, you know, don't, yeah, f- never. You don't fast forward. Yeah. Um, but um, I had heard about this story years before, and I was like, yeah, but who cares? Like, yeah. well, how am I going to make this into anything? And then um, years later when I met uh, the Fart Queen. Oh, yeah, Fart Queen. Over there. Uh, she's she looking was, at photos of Robert Pattinson right now. <laughs> she's got three monitors up with Robert Pattinson's abs. <laughs> she does it. I'm just. Uh, so when I met her, um, we were we were working together, and then we started a date, and then uh, she kept bringing up she wanted to go ice skating. Yeah. And at this point, I was like 35 or 34, mm-hmm. whatever it was, and. Um, I was like, uh, I'd never put ice skates on in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, sure. You know, it's one of those things like, let's go ice skating. Yeah, sure. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. something. 
but you know, being a strong, strong opinionated person, she's just, I had one day where she's like, you never do what I want to do. Yeah. I've heard that a lot from my girlfriend. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and so at that point you're like, okay. And in my head I was like, okay, whatever. I'll put on ice skates, twisted ankle, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. So we go and there's this, uh, a uh, big uh, frozen ice skating rink in downtown Boston called Frog Pond. It's where everybody goes, right? So we go down, epic, beautiful. It's like a little bit later than this time of year. Mm-hmm. It was like February, I think, or something. And um, beautiful snow, shit, all that kind of yeah. shit. New England, shit? like, yeah, yeah snow <laughs> shit. <laughs> you, know, you know, snow shit. Frog shit. <laughs> snow. <laughs> So then uh, we go down and I strap on these skates, you know, and it's like putting razor blades on your feet. Like, yeah. you know, and so you're on that padded material before you go out and I'm like trying to figure out how to walk around yeah. in these things. And uh, they drag us, she drags me out on the ice. So I go on the ice and she's tugging me. Yeah. And it's just, it's emasculating. And it's you're a just romantic getting, comedy. <laughs> yeah. You're just getting pulled around and you're just yeah. like, and I'm getting frustrated. Yeah. And I, and I was just like, do me a favor, just skate away. Yeah. And I'll figure this out. I'll figure this shit out. Yeah. She's like, okay, takes off. And I'm there and there are like fucking kids pirouetting around me and yeah, shit, yeah, like yeah. little kids. And yeah. I see this little five-year-old and I watch him and he just does his bit and he pushes himself off. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. Push myself off, right? Slip completely, go all the way back, Ooh. 180, land on my skull. Oh. And the last thing I hear is an old oak barrel crack. You heard your skull crack? And I'm out. God. And then from what Gina's told me. You're like I, me. I, the same thing would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, dude. From what Gina's told me, they heard it. They heard everybody on oh. the ice heard me go. And so I'm out. And uh, Gina's over there trying to figure out what to do with me. And yeah. the people from the ice skating rink come out. And they're all like, he's fine. He's fine. They literally haven't closed the rink down. They're literally skating out little orange cones, and they're putting orange cones around my body so that people can continue to skate. What? (laughs) This is true, right, James? Capitalism. Yeah. And so then uh, fucking uh, she convinces him to call an ambulance. So I'm out. Yeah. And uh, I come to in intensive care, and there's a doctor. Come up. You wake up. So you're skating. You fall, and then you open your eyes, and you're in the hospital. In the hospital. So intensive care. Doc's looking down at me. I'm looking up at him. And the first thing, because I was running my own production company, I was doing all this kind of shit. I'd never taken a break. And the first thing that comes in my head is like, I fucking broke my leg and I passed out. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Like, I'm fucked. Because I have work. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck. And the doc looks down at me and he goes, okay, so I'm not gonna, I'm cut to the chase. Here's the deal. So uh, you've uh, cracked your skull and you're, oh. you're bleeding internally. There's a hematoma forming on the top of your brain right now. Uh, what we normally do is we drill into the skull to release the pressure, but the hematoma is on top of the main blood vessel. So if we drill like a skosh too deep, you bleed out and you die. Oh my God. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit here and wait and see if you stop bleeding. And uh, in the meantime, you can't go back to sleep. So we're not going to let you go back to sleep and you should call your family. Because you could slip into a coma? Yeah. No, call your family. That's you, something you don't want to hear. Yeah, you should call your family. And I was just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then... Uh, poor Gina. She had met like some of my, because my mother, when I how was. How long have you guys been dating? Sorry. How long were we dating at that point, Beans? One week. Was it one week? Were you guys official? Yeah, that was an official. Wow. We were friends. We were banging. That's, we were banging longer than that. Yeah, banging off and on. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> true love. You know? You stayed with them. Well, she's, 
But then she had to meet most of my family in the hospital. That's when they, oh, wow. You know, so a lot, yeah. a lot of that came rolling through. Um, and so I was in intensive care for five days. And uh, because I couldn't go to sleep and because of the pressure on my brain, I was I was having hallucinations. And They kept you up for five? Are they giving for, you like the, meth? I was up for a while. What are, they, are they giving you something to keep they you up? They just were like, they'd come in with flashlights. and That's how they would get. They, it was insane. Yeah. I don't know what they were feeding me, but yeah. I was awake. And um, so uh, I started to like hallucinate. Yeah. And, and uh, Gina has recordings because I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, take out your phone, take out your phone. And I'd start telling her what I was going through. Yeah. Because, you know, being a filmmaker, I was fascinated. Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Tragedy like, happens to us. We're like, how do I turn yeah. this into a story? I'm like, you gotta, you gotta take the, I'm like, my inner voice doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Like, what's go? like, I don't control my inner voice. Something's right. going on with my inner voice. Um, five days later, go, five days go by, bleeding stops. They transition me down into the regular hospital out of intensive care. And then begins um, my five months of recovery because I yeah. had like multiple concussions and they had to wait to see if my brain would absorb all the blood. So apparently oh your, your body eventually absorbs blood, but it yeah. took five months. And so I have, I have to show them to you. I have the CAT scans where like on top of my skull, my brain was literally pressed down from all the blood. Oh my God. It was nuts. And so I talked to the doctor and he's like, yeah, you can't do shit. And he's like... I'm like, when can I work? And he goes, what do you do for, he's like, is your job stressful? And I was like, he's like, what do you do for work? I'm like, I'm a director. He's like, oh, you're not going to fucking work for, yeah. for like five, six months. And so um, in that time period, I was dealing with multiple concussions and like vertigo and all this crazy shit. Like there was a point where they're like, you can't sneeze because you might trigger bleeding again. Wow. Um, and in that period of time, I was so inspired by that inner voice thing that I was like, and, and you know, you're on death's bed yeah. and you're like, is there something that I could have done? Right. Fuck it. Feature. That's yeah. it. That's the one thing I want to do. And so I started to write the script about your inner voice and I needed sort of an origin story for the creature that was controlling the inner voice. You were writing that in the hospital? And while well, I ended up going to my parents' house for recovery, yeah. which was, it was like going to a hotel. It was really right. nice. Um, and uh, in that period of time, I wrote it and um, I was like, I need an origin story. And I was like, ah, oh, that Russian place. Yeah. And so then that originally was just a cold open. Mm. And then when I recovered, I came out and I was like, I'm ready to make it. And uh, I have to do a proof of concept. And I was like, why don't I just take what essentially was 10 page cold open and I blew it up and I was like, cool. And then made that movie and did really well. And now the new script is actually just all in that rush. That's amazing. So that wouldn't have happened if you didn't go ice skating. Yeah, fucking A. And I've fully recovered. Yeah. So like now I just look at it as this wild adventure that I went through with like the internal dealing with your brain and dealing with all yeah. that shit. Like one of the crazy side effects, a lot of people don't realize what your brain does daily for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Meditation will help you with that. Yeah. But dude, just shit, just like standard stuff. Like right now us talking to ourselves, yeah. I just focus on you and I just hear you. I have the ability to completely block out whatever's going on outside here. Oh yeah. But when I had the, uh, the uh, vertigo and the concussions, I couldn't be in a room. I could not filter out everything. Everything else. was happening. I could just hear it. It's like this weird superpower. It's you like you're on mushrooms everything. permanently. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Your story reminds, did you know George Lucas had a weird similar story with Star Wars Inception? No. I like to bring everything back to Star Wars. Um, uh, okay. He uh, got into a, he was like a, racer like a drag racer in a car he was oh. like that's where the inspiration for american graffiti came from 
he got into like a really bad car accident, almost died. And when he was like on death's door in the hospital, like Star Wars came to him. So there's that your story reminded me of something similar of just oh, shit. being at the, because uh, I imagine you were going through this traumatic event where you weren't so sure. Did you have a feeling like, did you think you could possibly die in this uh, moment? Like, was there a feeling of fear? Uh, kind of. I mean, in the beginning, when the doc first does that, you get that. Yeah, you they're get always the, saying, yeah. Yeah, you get that thing and you're just like, okay. But then that kind of went away. I think mostly because either because of the drugs that I was on or the hallucinations and yeah. I just became fascinated. It did happen to us again. And I say us because Gina stayed with me for weeks at a time while yeah. I was doing this thing. Um, and there was this period of time where uh, they were concerned if I sneezed. That you would. Recause the bleeding. That's like start the bleeding yeah. up. And so, of course, you're going to sneeze. Yeah. And so you hit these points and I, uh, and like I, I, I sneezed or something and then my temperature was going up and I was in a really rough place. And this was weeks after. Yeah. And uh, my parents have a place on Cape Cod. So mm. it's away from the city. And uh, I didn't want to call attention. You don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, fucking everything's fucked up. You know, you try yeah. to be kind of a man about it. And, right. And, these two were like, no, we're going to the hospital. Like yeah. instantly after I sneezed, it's like, we're going to the hospital. And so we ended up driving, <laughs> this is a long story. We ended up driving to this hospital on Cape Cod in Hyannis and their hospitals there aren't that good. Yeah. So we drive there, we go into this emergency room and I'm literally being seen by this doctor who looks like if George Clooney was a Muppet. Yeah. That's essentially who this okay. guy looks like. And he's just like, oh, and he's like yeah. all over the place and he's there and he's like, we don't have the equipment to really check this out, but uh, you, I think you're bleeding internally and you could potentially die. Oh my God. And, and we're just like, what? And he's like, yeah, you got to go up to Boston. So get in the car, drive up to Boston. And so that ride, that hour and a half long ride, because of what that doctor said, I thought I was dying. Oh shit, yeah. And so in that, and, and you're just doing a long ride. Yeah. And so in that ride, you're just sort of like looking at the world and looking at nature and looking at trees and wondering if it's all going to slip like, away. And you're like, cool, all right. I guess this is the last time I see all this shit. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it was crazy. That was the only moment. That's an incredible story, man. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Thanks, that's man. That's wild. I'm fine. Do you have you guys have you guys ice skated since? No. <laughs> I had no, to ask. No, no. And yeah. I have the ultimate card because sometimes Gina would be like, hey, do you want to go and do this thing that I don't want to like, go? No, and I'm like, I'm sounds going, like ice skating. Not going to that vegan taco place. <laughs> it's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have the ultimate get out. Yeah, right? well, she, you know. Well, there's something in you. Well, look, I mean, a positive came from it, though. If yeah, that didn't like, happen, you wouldn't have gotten this inspiration and got this short and got these. She likes to and, take credit for all that shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 all of our girlfriends do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Uh, they gave birth to us. Yeah. That's a weird edible complex. But <laughs> I, I, I love, I, I love to introduce her as the woman that tried to murder me. Yeah. Right, beans. Yeah. She mm -hmm. What if you like found some someone was like videotaping the moment and she actually shoved you and you didn't know you like blocked <laughs> that out. What? <laughs> yeah, it's on some teenager's phone. He's like, yeah, I did it. You whispered to him, like, you won't forget this. And Gina's just been paying him off. <laughs> yeah. Ever yeah. since. Like, that's that one day we got that email where you're just sweaty. Yeah. And she's behind me. She's like, yeah. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, nothing, 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 nothing yeah. nothing's wrong. She's an oracle. She, like, knew you were going to write something from this. She's like, it's all going to plan. <laughs> Why do we have this constant subscription to Bang Bus on our credit card? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just buying porn for some 13 year old boy. Yeah. 
Isn't that crazy that porn is free? Like, what's up with that? Who decided to make porn free? It's weird. I remember back in my day when I was a kid, mm-hmm. we used to have to trade nudie magazines mm-hmm. at school. And we'd watch the 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 fuzz, the uh, you know, when the signal wouldn't come through on your cable and you would kind of see a yeah. boob. You'd see a boob for a second and be like, that's all I need. Or you get a Victoria's Secret catalog. Now they can just load up the raunchiest porn. I'm telling you, these kids, they don't even... <laughs> Dude, and 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 the effect, because I remember, like you said, the uh, the old ABAB cable box would yes. shift between them, and you just sort of sit there for you the longest time. You would see something. Yeah, and it would be disc. Like I had a boner for yeah. purple skin, you yes, know, because yeah. of how discolored yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah some weird fetishes. Yeah, some weird fetishes. Up. And I remember because it wasn't even because di- that's like that's like Showtime porn where yeah. it's just like. Two Soft people board. are having sex, and he's rubbing his dick on her fucking yeah. chest. Plate. It's like l- very loving and lit really well. Yeah, and you're bad. just like. But I remember my and here's a funny story. I remember my first filthy, dirty magazine. Yeah, and that was Swank. I think is what it was called. Playgirl was bad too. <laughs> Playgirl. Playgirl was bad. Why not Playgirl? That's a dude. It's like Playgirl. Was no, really bad. not Play Playgirl. You're right. Those big schlongs. Wait, uh, what? No, uh, no. There was Playboy, and then there was that other one. It was like Penthouse. That, Penthouse. Penthouse. Penthouse was filthy because oh. Penthouse would open the sandwiches. Yeah. You know. The, oh, the sandwich you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was like a RB sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no swank and where i got my first issue um we lived in um a cul-de-sac we lived in basically a closed off neighborhood on the cape in the summer yeah and down the street from us we had new neighbors move in mm-hmm. and everybody knew everybody it was like a fucking yeah. spielberg neighborhood yeah new neighbors come in and we go down and we meet this woman she's beautiful yeah brunette beautiful woman she's miss massachusetts Amazing. Miss Massachusetts has just moved in down the street wow. from us, right? And so uh, we, my best friend at the time, convinces her to let him walk her dog. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up going away. How old were you? 13. Okay. Good like age. Young. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up going away for the weekend. So she gave him the keys to her house and he, he was a troublemaker. Yeah, of course. And so he was rummaging through her closet. Oh, yeah. And he found a stack of swank, swank magazines and swank is like it's not only opening the sandwich it's like pouring honey on top of an open like it's just like it was full throttle yeah and you know for that time now you you can't see you can't you know search for something on amazon without seeing the inside of a lady yeah you know what i mean wait what <laughs> in a web banner you know um, oh yeah. yeah wait what amazon are you going to <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is that it's like porn is so. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, it can be. I can pull up porn right now if I wanted to. I'm not. And and like the most brutal yeah. forms. Of yeah, porn. you can. I'm sure there's brutalporn.com exists. I just want to know, like, how are they making money? Ads? What are they? I think. How that, is it free? I think that what they're doing. Is it some weird conspiracy to make us like uh, lose our sex drive so they can depopulate the planet? Ooh. <laughs> I think it's kind of like a, what Spotify does. I think it's essentially whatever the delivery system, whether it's Pornhub or whatever these yeah. fucking websites are, they stole that shit in the beginning. And it was yeah. like, users upload it. We right. don't upload it. 
And then uh, these companies have to sort of conform to that, where right. the companies are like, well, here's a compilation if you want to watch the whole thing, come to my website. But, yeah. but who the fuck wants to sit through an hour and a half, two hours? I don't know anyone that ever watches more than five minutes of porn. Do you like the, uh, do you need the hour and a half long porn, Gina? Is it all about the story for you? The porn story? Is it all about story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then Isn't you that- go back and... It's crazy that like porn theaters existed at a time and like they would go in and you would like you would uh, you know you would lighthouse it all over the floor <laughs> <laughs> and then some guy would come in and clean it up and like wow but you would also be in a theater with other strangers I know like maybe five seats apart wasn't that where Pee Wee he was in a porn theater mm-hmm. why are they getting mad at him in a porn theater that's where you go mm-hmm. like it wasn't like he was watching Snow White and doing it there no. who's at a porn theater right that's where you go you go to vegas to gamble you go to porn theater to jerk off to jerk off yeah to jerk in off a dark in room with yeah. other men yeah to jerk off in public it's when you have that fetish Poor you gotta guy. go somewhere yeah God, man but yeah man i don't know but the, then the question is how has it affected this generation and then there's been a lot of studies seriously done on like how, absolutely how it fucks with people like, it intimacy. absolutely uh messes with uh your drive and um yeah, it desensitizes you, and I don't. I don't fuck with porn. Um, I dude, there hits a point where it's it's just like I don't. It desensitizes you so much that you're just like I don't even know what fucking turns me on anymore. Yeah, it's it's wonder. weird. There was a period where yeah, I watched a lot of it. Like there was a golden age, and because uh, it was accessible. But yeah, I noticed that it was altering my relationships and mm-hmm. you know your drive, your ability to like when you're single, like to go out and meet someone well, mm-hmm. makes you lazy and complacent. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are kind of pushing that net our that direction we have netflix so we don't go to the movie theater anymore we have uber eats so we don't eat out anymore like we're just becoming uh these weird solitary creatures that are just watching porn and jerking off into our burger king that was just delivered no offense to burger king actually i haven't had burger king in such a long time it's gross no one likes burger king no i haven't had burger king since the whopper and high, high school me too yeah high yeah. school that, I mean, that's the that's the demographic for that shit. High that's schoolers, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the demo. Yeah, no adult goes to Burger King. Mm. Yeah, well, no adult, and even the adults that do go there because they think it's cheaper. You're just like, how much was that though? Totally. Yeah. How much is a box of pasta and some and pasta right. sauce? Like, yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't think I don't think yeah, that's cheaper. It's fake. It's not real. Yeah, yeah. Um, this has been good. Yeah, we're at, we're at two hours. Okay, so I, I should probably we went to a lot we, of tangents. This we is good. I, we could I could talk for another two hours. Yeah, we covered so many fun topics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, this is the point on the show where I usually let the guest usually let yeah. the guest um, give a little advice because a lot of the people that listen to the show are trying to get in the business. Yeah, definitely. Kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, what would you? Because you you put out a lot of fucking content. So you, you're working regularly. Um, a lot of people have trouble with um, inspiration and yeah. sort of like, or getting something started because they don't think it's good enough. Right, perfectionist mindset. Yeah, like how how would you, what's your opinion on that and how would you talk someone into doing it? I, well, I don't believe perfection is a real thing. There's no such thing as perfection. I feel like perfection, we often will get into our minds as artists that it has to be perfect. But for what? Like, what is perfect? What is the idea of perfect? Uh, I I think the way to battle that and to suppress that feeling, I think perfection comes out of insecurity. 
you are worried about being judged, so you want it to be perfect. And if you're waiting for something to be perfect, you're never going to start. That's a quote I heard somewhere. I don't know where. I'm a guy of quotes. But I think the only way to, and this doesn't apply to filmmaking, it applies to life in general. I've always felt best when I do the thing that I fear the most. When I put on my shoes and I get out the door, um, being you know fun employed, freelance, we uh, we have a lot of time sometimes on our hands, and sometimes it's it's hard to leave the house. You know, you get into those weird ruts. But I always feel better when I get out that front door. It's just about taking that first step. You might not know where the road leads you, but at least you're like trying. And I'd say to any aspiring filmmaker, no matter how big or small your idea is, try to chip away at it every day. You know, just do a little bit. If you're writing a feature. Write a page a day. You can write one page a day. Mm -hmm. And go into it like with not the idea that it has to be good. Just go into it with the idea of like, I'm going to write a page. Mm -hmm. If that page is no work and I'll play, make you a dull boy, then that's great. At least you (laughs) did it. Because you're not going to be on 100% every single day, every moment. We're not. We're not machines. We're organic beings that have ups and downs and are swayed by everything. The tide and the moon and all these different emotions that go on in us. So I'd say the one thing to battle that idea of perfectionism is to do something that makes you happy and just chip away at it every day. I'm a firm believer in short format content, um, things that are a minute or less, because I feel like those things are achievable. You can do those in one to two days. There's no excuse. You can you can write something, shoot it, and have it done and out. Um, the reason why when we uh, do videos, why I do my own work with Spooky Bonus and myself and I edit so quickly is because I'm a firm believer and if you don't edit quickly and finish it, the idea begins to rot mm-hmm. and you're more likely to never complete it because you you get into that perfectionist mindset. You get into the mindset of, well, that was a silly idea. It wasn't good enough. I'm going to move on. Rather than if you can just find whatever way you can to get into a a flow state of just creating without thinking, um, it's going to serve you really well. And I'd say, yeah, do things that uh, you're afraid of. Uh, I was always afraid of acting. I took four levels of improv because improv taught me how to not think and to just be. And those lessons kind of infused into my work and this idea of, uh, yeah, you're, you're always right. You know, like, when you get an idea uh, for a movie or you know a piece of art, that initial idea that you're tuning into is the thing you should do. Don't try to take that idea and make it funnier or more dramatic or scarier or whatever that is. Take that initial core and build off that. I think sometimes we get ideas where we're like, well, yeah, well, how do I punch it up? How do I make it? And I think that maybe it works for some people. For me, it personally doesn't work. I like to just tune in, you get that thing and then you make it just, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the, uh, we're going to die. The planet is going to be engulfed by flames. All art and everything is going to be lost forever. We live in a dream and it doesn't matter. And so make it matter while you're here and make, make your life matter, make your relationships matter and just do what you love and just follow that. If you're in that stupid job, jump out of it. I was in a high paying editing job and I hated it and I quit and it was scary. But then things open up. Life always opens up if you take that that first chance. You just got to do it. You got to put on your Nikes, read the little logo, just do it and do it. <laughs> That's my advice. It's great There's advice. no other way. It hurts. And it, guess what? Also, people that are making stuff, 
at all levels, it is all pain. It all comes with this level of weight. We're all going through it. Steven Spielberg was in an interview talking about how he has moments all the time on set where he doesn't know. He doesn't have the answer. And everyone's looking at him. It's like, you're Steven Spielberg. You're a god. Like, you know, but he's a human just like the rest of us. And he goes through doubts. We all do. Like, what I've learned in my time here is we're all the same in terms of what we want and need out of life. And so don't let don't let anyone ever, you know, make you believe that they're better than you or something like that because we're all playing the game out here. So just find what's yours and go with it. But if you've never made a film and you want to make a film, you have to start somewhere and you have to just understand that there is going to be an evolution with your work. There is a great thing on YouTube. You can uh, YouTube it, search for it. It's called The Gap. It was an NPR Oh, I think it was something glass is the name of the, the reporter. If you look up NPR, the gap, you should listen to it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's this little excerpt where he's talking about how there is a gap when you start making work because we all have amazing tastes. If we want to make work, we already have great taste. So you have great taste and you have no experience. There's a large gap between your original, like your first short film and your taste where you think it's shit. Well, the more you make, the more you begin to close that gap to where the thing you're making starts matching your taste. And you can be like, that thing I created is my taste. Where it's called, it's like a creative, it's called the gap. And like we all go through it. And the more you make and the more you stick to it, the more you close in that gap. But it's a muscle. You just have to keep doing it. So yeah. Good advice. And there's no excuses. Everyone's got an iPhone. You can make anything. <laughs> there's really no excuses. You do whatever you want. Cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's my advice. I feel like I'm talking to myself. You could do it, Rick. You got. To, I'm looking at a mirror right now. <laughs> Get up. Go do it. Go do it already. There's a phone on the table. Take yeah. it. Make something. No, I'm dealing with it right now. We're like putting stuff together to pitch, and we've got all these opportunities and meetings. And yeah, there's that level of like where something becomes real, and you're like, oh shit. I put this treatment together now you know this is becoming a real thing yeah. scary and it's a, that whole world is, i'm in that treatment game right now and yeah. it's it's you spend so many hours countless hours yeah. countless fucking years just learning how to make the the the, the thing the decor yeah or the but, piece just the piece yeah and then there's this whole other part of the career yeah. which is like how do i present the piece how do i sell the piece yeah these pitch docs and all this other shit it's this whole it's so fucking weird being someone that was so completely confident after nine, 19 years of directing. I can walk on a set and be like, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Yeah. Confidently say, not arrogantly say that, just yeah. confidently yeah, say Yeah, you're it. comfortable. Uh, but then moving out here and then and transitioning into this whole needing to sell and selling this thing, yeah. it's like I, I feel like I'm back in school again. Yeah. It's just like, all right, how does this work? And how do these, and what is this guy's job? And what the fuck? Blah, 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 blah. And you're just trying to figure this thing out. And it's just as important because. I learned that from years of doing shit in Boston on my own yeah. and like getting noticed by a pretty big fucking people, uh, I've sort of hit the peak of like, this is what just doing it on my own does. Now I have the opportunity to do the bigger thing. And I am not, I wasn't prepped for it at all. Yeah. And you just like, okay, I got to learn on the fucking fly. And yeah. That's what everyone's doing. Yeah. I man. mean, those Game of Thrones guys, Dude, they Jesus were doing it too. Christ. They didn't know what they were doing. And now look, the Star Wars just fired them. Yeah. <laughs> so fake it till you make it. And 
Keep it to yourself. And then, yeah, and then always remember that you're going to go back to the beginning again. Yeah, you're going to go back. You're exactly. always going to be that guy that's out of fucking work. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be in the nursing home uh, if you're lucky, you know, and you're not going to remember any of this because you've got dementia. <laughs> I always think about that. Like, we're going to die and I'm not going to remember doing this podcast. Uh, yeah. Maybe I will, though. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you'll just Who have knows? one of those moments where you'll fart. And it'll yeah, just trigger, it'll just some, trigger some other thing. And you'll be like, I remember sitting on this fucking blue couch. Yeah, I was on a blue couch and I was talking to a microphone. And, and we're talking about farts. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we're talking about Robert Pattinson's abs. And uh, Yeah, and then Gina was in the other room staring at him on the Gina monitor. Gina was looking at the monitor <laughs> and she told me she tried to kill her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right, all right I think this is good, man. Thanks yeah, for being on the show. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank so, you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Uh, Rick's a cool dude, as you can tell. I'm really happy that we hung out. Uh, and uh, I highly suggest you go check out all his work. All the links will be listed in the description of this episode, or I'll be posting them on inlovewiththeprocess.com. Definitely go check out our official website, because there I'll give straight links to my favorite skits that um, and then I'll also link to all his stuff. Um, and you can totally follow him on Instagram. Uh, he's got just great stuff all the time. So please go check him out. Uh, and thanks for subscribing to the show, right? Ooh, you see how I put you on the spot? Do you subscribe to the show? Well, you should. And you'll find the show on any of those podcast outlets. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts. You'll find it on Stitcher. You'll find it on Spotify. Whatever your favorite podcast delivery system is out there search for in love with the process put my name in because there's a bunch of other processes love fucking fucking podcasts that are all over the place just put in in love with the process petchy boom it'll take you right to it subscribe to it that way every tuesday when a new episode comes out your phone will just go blink and then boom you can listen to the episode right in that moment right sounds cool and do me a favor rate the show rate the show However many stars you think I deserve, I highly suggest it's five. <laughs> but however many you think I deserve, and leave a little comment because the bullshit algorithms that control our life see that stuff. And the only way to get more people to listen to the show and to get more like rando fucking listeners is if it ranks high on the podcast li- on the podcast list. And the only way that's going to happen is if you guys rate it. If you like this episode. Give me five stars. Give me five stars. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, let's try to think of what else I can tag on the end here. Uh, I'm not going to give you any movie recommends today because I haven't done that research. Although I will say this. Go see Lighthouse and go see it in the theater. The movie's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And I'm not going to remember the director's name, but I love his work. He also did The Witch. I think this, the, the thing that's really fascinating about what he does is he seems to be a history nerd. And it feels like he just finds a certain period of time and dives right in. So whether he's dealing with uh, speech patterns or languages or just history and like production design, it's amazing. Go watch The Lighthouse. Two of fantastic performances in that movie. And I'm so happy it's in cinemas. I'm so happy that it's doing well. 
because uh, hopefully it's just going to help boost back the attention that we need for good cinema. Between that and Joker, let's keep it going, guys. You know what I mean? The only way that these movies get made, and the only way that I can convince an exec to make these movies, if you guys go fucking see them. Literally. That's it. Half the time I, I will pitch an idea that I know that you guys would like, and they're going to go, oh yeah, but no one's going to go see that. They will go see that. Prove me right. Go see a great movie in the theater. And if it's an indie movie that you're really excited about, go see it opening weekend. Because that's how they judge everything. It's important that you do it. All right. Um, I hope you guys have been digging the show. Leave me some comments. Do you like it? Uh, Do you like the way I berate you with the insults? Uh, Do you think I know what I'm fucking talking about? Because half the time I don't. All right, I'm not going to hold you hostage. I'm going to let you go with some great music from Code Electro. And uh, keep tuning in. More great episodes on the way. Season 2 of In Love With The Process. (laughs) 